Um, we're continuing the show with uh, a little bit of visual. We just had to get up and running, you know. And so we're, we brought this we brought this over to the visual side. I know the first half was just audio. You just got to hear our little cute cute, but now you get to see our little cute cute. And so we're here. And I'm grateful because I get to see your hair. Oh gosh, don't even. I need help. <laughs> I need help. And more importantly, not only do I need help, but I need time. If I had time, I would be, I would be in better condition. But for now, in all intents and purposes, we're rocking with the royal blue. I'm happy. You're happy. We're here. We're holy. Let's let's get this this party started again. Um, so guys, thanks again for checking us out, being here. We were so delighted to see that the time that we've spent off of um production that the podcast was still casting like you know the downloads were happening and the views were happening and for me personally as someone who is a producer I'm not the producer I'm a producer uh like I work in media and all that stuff and so even though I took time off we took time off I felt like the show was hanging over our head a little bit I was like oh man, we got to get recording an episode. Like the people, the people need content. And I really, um, I feel like the Lord was kind of giving me like a little, a little bit of a spanking, just being like, hey, whose show is this again? Mm. Who makes the show successful again? Is it you? Is it your striving? Or am I taking care of it? And I felt like um, the success of the show while we weren't recording, while we weren't producing, while we weren't um, editing, posting, talking, <laughs> while we weren't doing the things, um, I really feel like the Lord was like, you know, your hands are off of it now so that you can't, there ain't no boast in here. <laughs> you can't boast in your own hands. And so... Um, all that to say is the Lord, the Lord used you guys, used our listeners, used our viewers to show us that, um, what's that, that overplayed song in 2018? Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, he's working. He's working. And um, he did the work and we're grateful. But again, it's because of you guys who were, who was actually listening. I mean, the Lord didn't fabricate these numbers by himself, even though he could have. Um, you guys have found the show. You found the episodes. You, you went and you sought out content and you found us. I mean, I was getting random friend requests and follows on Instagram and even happy and holy to Instagram was getting some, um, some buzz. And so we're grateful, but we will tell you that 24 coming up, we're hitting the ground running. We are hitting the ground running. We have so much stuff in store for you. We're so excited. We're just grateful to be back. We're grateful to have this time off. And you're like, who comes back in the middle of the holiday season? Well, we do because there's still things to report. There's still things to talk about. And there's still a reminder for you to stay happy and be holy. And while all those other content creators are taking a break, you have some fresh content. And I don't know about everybody else, but Christmas can be a little bit depressing for me. I enjoy the Advent season, but the day seems to always be very anticlimactic. Right. Good for you who like 
really love getting together with your families. But for those of us who have their friendship families and those friends are with their families and you can't hang out with them during Christmas and you get lonely, this is for you. We are, we will be your friends through the holiday season, (laughs) tiding you over until your friends return from their grandma's kitchen. Yes. And we're here for you. And better yet, when you are missing us during the holiday season, just a reminder, we have merch. <laughs> and so you, if you buy a t-shirt and you hug your shirt, it's like you're hugging one of us. And so or both check it them. out. Check out the website. Mm-hmm. It's a hug from us both. Yes, it's a hug from us both. So as always, guys, happy and holy. We were a little bit of everything. Kingdom and culture, news, social commentary, journalism, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but we're here and we're grateful. Um, just a little reminder of the rundown of the show. This was a little bit of a podcast that was started, Jamie and I. I, I like to call it our phone call turn podcast. And I saw one day, like someone was commenting because, you know, that's what people do nowadays. And someone was commenting on a, on a TikTok and somebody had a podcast about something. I think it was about tech. And somebody commented, it was like, not everybody needs a podcast. And to that, I say, um, rubbish, bah humbug to you. Um, Cause it's not necessarily true. If you have a mouth, you have a podcast. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know if everyone deserves one, <laughs> but everyone gets one. Everyone gets a try. And, you know, who, who, who was there to tell Joe Rogan not to start a podcast? Who was there to tell Jordan Peterson not to start a podcast? Who was there to tell Anita Female who has a good podcast? What females have good podcasts? An iconic female podcaster. How could I forget? Miss um, Candy O. Oh. Owens. We love Candace. Oh, and Brett Cooper's cute from um, Daily Wire. She's like their little Gen oh, Z baby. Yeah, yeah. I know her. Yeah. Cute. Um. Yeah, I mean, who was there to tell Candace Owens to start, not to start a podcast? Even if you want to start a podcast, just go for it. I don't, it's silly. But one thing I have discovered is that, like, if we were to listen to everyone, everyone's naysaying while they're saying nay, we wouldn't do anything productive. And, um, you know, what's that cliche? Just, like, let no, let no man shut the doors that God opens. Mm-hmm. Can't get in the way. Of your sleigh. And so, I, anyway, it's just silly, but we're here. And, like, you know, why podcast? Why not? Um, just do it. But we're here doing it, and we're here for you guys. Hey, maybe you're listening to us while you're taking a shower. Maybe you're listening to us on a walk. You you like to um, dice some onions while you listen to our podcast. Maybe you put it on in the background while you're working. I like to podcast, like, I like to listen to podcasts as I'm cooking. Even, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, there's always a need for noise, and we're here to tear it up. So, I'm grateful. But we are um, gonna kick up, kick up the show. We're gonna kick it into gear. Hope you guys are ready. Um, please put your foot, your phone on do not disturb, uh, because we got a lot to cover. Some things that have happened while we've been gone, and some things are fresh, fresh, fresh out of the oven. And so we're excited to step into it and what better day than today. And so if you're new here, welcome. 
If you're a familiar face, welcome back. We're going to kick it into Did You Hear? Man, we have we have like a we have a good a good number. Did you hear topics? A lot has happened. Um, do you want to kick it off with an update about I someone? Love, I would love to kick it off. Oh, you want an update about someone we know and love? <laughs> of course. I have an update on Lou Engel's eating schedule. Okay, and even in the midst of the holidays. In the midst of the holidays. Lou has found a way to bring up this month. This month. It's already started because it started December 2nd. December 2nd through the 22nd of December. Lou Engel will not be eating. From wait, from the 22nd to when? From the 2nd to the 22nd. I'm sorry, from the 2nd. Okay, so 20 days. Yes, so that's just for this month. That if you are Lou or you follow Lou from the 2nd to the 22nd, don't you put anything in your mouth. You're on a diet. You're fasting. You're fasting. What's the purpose of this fast? This fast is um, about the the war in Israel. Okay. Um, I'm not actually seeing prayer points here. But I'm sure everybody's just like, you got to make this war stop. We have tourism to do. So everybody who is kicking it with Lou. I need you to get on this fast. In addition to this month, the majority of the month, Lou is not eating. He's also going to begin a cycle of monthly seven day fasts. And that's starting January 2nd through the 8th. So, and it's going to continue over the same dates each month until the war is over. Okay. And I was wondering, and And there's an and, and until the current, wave of global anti-Semitism subsides. So for those of you, you may not be eating till Christ returns. Exactly. For those of you who didn't notice that the enemy hates Israel because Christ came through the nation of Israel. So he's really butthurt and he's really petty and he makes anybody who will listen to him anti-Semitic. If you've ever been in Europe, anti-Semitism abounds. If you pretty much anywhere but a lot of America, anti-Semitic. So <laughs> if you are kicking it with Lou, you are going to um either destroy your gut or lose some weight or both. Um or both. For the until this war ends and until anti-Semitism is over, which is when Christ comes back for his church and to destroy his enemies. You will be not eating a whole week of every month. That's wild to me. Um, not to mention that come January, sorry, I feel like my hair is crying. Come January, um, on in addition to what Louis is going to be um, orchestrating, um, you know everyone's going to do their yearly fast. And in addition to that, so here's like the triple whammy. You're going to fast because of Louis, one. You're going to fast because of the new year, two. You're also going to fast because it's an election year, three. And so a lot of y'all are going to like be dropping the pounds. And I will not automatically think Ozempic. I will think that you've been rocking with Lou. Oh, my gosh. And I'm proud of you. 
the way that we're going to be like, wow, you look great. Is that the Lou Angle fasting? Yeah, look. that's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to be like, wow, you look amazing. Have you been fasting with Lou? <laughs> I will not be thinking Ozempic. Mm-mm. It's great. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Um, I will, I will cheer you guys on. Um, you know, like I think you guys are probably like, what is with you guys and 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 Louis fast? Listen, we um, we we cheer that on from a distance. Um, fasting is, yeah, yeah. You'll have to hear our thoughts on fasting maybe in another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's against fasting. Uh, just be careful not to not be fasting in a season where you should be feasting. And that's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. So if you are a lady and you are fasting, please ask the Lord whether you should be fasting at that time. Agreed. That's wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's also, my biggest. Go ahead. I just, maybe a little bit of TMI, but I was kind of anorexic in high school and I did not get my period for a year. It's not healthy. That is not, you don't want that. I I enjoyed it personally, but that's not healthy. Yeah. So just a little bit of a, like a tidbit of what under eating does to you as a woman, as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important to highlight. Um, Listen, I just, we, we just need discernment. Um, especially you could be following your favorite fill in the blank to the edge of the cliff, you know, and, um, we just need discernment. Fasting is not for everyone. It's a practice that anyone can do, but it's not for everyone. Um, there are some people who are like, I can't fast because health issues and I can't fast because this, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that. We just need to be conscientious of what the Lord is calling us to do personally. To do things, something corporately, great. I just think that we as a body, especially in the charismania, we follow a lot of people because like the practices sound really religious and they sound really legit. And you get so caught up in the practices that you lose sight of the principle. And Mm -hmm. um, principle number one, Christ is victorious. Christ was victorious. He is victorious and he's going to be victorious. And so we don't fast out of a heart of striving. We don't fast out of a heart of groveling. We don't fast because we feel like our fasting moves mountains. And um, a lot of times the reason why I scoff at fasting is because um, not because of the principle of fasting, but because my issue is that no one walks you through um, the discipline of fasting, teaching you they're just like fast because it's what Jesus did. But they don't they don't walk you through the fasting. They don't walk you like this is what your daily, this is what you would look like daily fasting. This is what it would look like after a week. This would look like after a month. Um, this is how you physically take care of yourself fasting. This is how you spiritually take care of yourself fasting. It's just like they they uh do a short teaching of maybe every biblical character that fasts. You guys love to talk about Daniel whenever it talks about fasting. Um, newsflash, maybe not news to anybody, but maybe worth mentioning that Daniel was fasting under an old covenant. And let's just remember that Christ came and fulfilled. And so, um, I just would love to see people be, um, discipled 
in a healthy fasting culture. Um, even the greats of the greats who are known for their fasting, maybe you have to go and look up your own content of them teaching on the principles of fasting. Um, but when I hear them talk, they often don't touch touch on it. They just go right into fasting. This is what you're going to do. And you're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. You're going to do it because this is what Jesus did. This is what Paul did. This is what the disciples did. You're going to do it because that's what Daniel did. That's what Esther did. You know, and it's like, we don't, we don't slow down enough to be like, Hey, um, before you start running, there are some people who need to walk and um, being out in this bubble out in the Bible belt, it's a lot of unhealthy fasting culture. There's a lot of unhealthy um, stigmatisms that come with fasting. Um, there's a lot of unhealthy, um, there's a lot of toxic relationships that come with fasting. And so I just would love to see people discipled under the principle of fasting um, because, you know, it's worth also um, co-laboring with Christ even in fasting. And so we don't get to fast and then beg. That is not, that's not how it works. You don't get to fast and then beg, make that a shirt. <sighs> Sold on happyandholy.co.com. Coming 2024. Happyandholy.com. <laughs> ah! That's super fun. Um, So I'll, I'll go into one of my did you hear Please kind of see, you know, if you maybe have heard about this in our absence, but Jamie, mm-hmm. did you hear um, Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens have a little beef going on? I did hear rumblings of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of like a, it doesn't make me happy to talk about it. I spent like a, like a day, like morning in my bed. I was so sad. I was like, how could you guys listen? The confusion that goes within the camp usually happens in the enemy's camp. It doesn't happen in ours. And so I was like, when I see it happen amongst the liberals and um, the left and like these extreme woke, like extremists, I usually get happy, but now it's happening on the winning team. And that makes me concerned. And so very quickly, um, like, anyway, I have so many things to say about Ben. But one time, um, where were we headed? My husband and I were headed in a car. We were driving to, I think, Houston. It's a three-hour drive. And we love to listen to podcasts, catch up on our podcasts when we're, when we're, you know, on the move. And he asked me, like, hey, if you had to rate your favorite daily wire podcast, like where would you rate them? Like, how would you put them in like in, in order of like one through however many you like. And, um, you know, candy. O, I want to say is like maybe number two, but I love Matt Walsh overall. Um, I would want to rank Ben Shapiro really high personally, but I can't because of how he's so smart. He's so wicked smart. He's sharp. He's educated. Um, you know, he's a family man. He's a good husband, great father. Like he loves family. Um, you know, he's religious as we know, a Jewish Orthodox of all things. Okay. My issue with Ben Shapiro is that he's way too emotional and he gets emotionally attached to things. And so I have heard his bitterness like spewing through the airwaves. 
um, the past, like, however many years that Trump hasn't been in office. And he was, like, all, like, rah, 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 since Kumba when it came to Trump when he was in office. And then after Trump was out of office, he was, like, boo, down with Trump, all this stuff. And so it got to the point where I'm, like, obviously, if somebody's not a fan of Trump, by all means, go do your thing. But um, there were some things that, like, he was, like, bringing up that I was, like, I don't, why is this news? <laughs> like, why are we talking about this? Like, I came to listen to you to be, to basically get like a speed course to get the cliff notes of what's happening in today's like politics and today's like um, globally. Like I came to get the cliff notes, but he goes on these like tyrants of like, this is why my feelings were hurt when it came to Trump. And I, I don't, I don't care for that. So um Fast forward to maybe about a month ago, a month ago today was when Hamas had attacked Israel. And I knew this was going to be like a tough season for obviously most Israelis, most most Israeli Americans, specifically Ben Shapiro happened to have been in Israel and left right before the attack started. And so um, I knew this was going to be hard, hard to listen to him. Rightfully so, he was upset about what was happening. Um, but he's he's so emotional, and he, you know, it's really dangerous to be a man that full of emotion and have power. Just look mm-hmm. at King David. You know, like when you have that much power and you're that much of a passionate person who can be emotionally driven, bad things can happen, like killing the husband of a woman you wanted to commit adultery with. So um, fast forward, everything happens. The terrible tragedy happens and all this stuff happens. And, you know, Candace Owens is talking and she's just talking about like genocide. And unfortunately, now we can't say the word genocide without anybody assuming that we are accusing Israel of committing genocide. You can't even say the G word which is crippling and not fair. And if if, it, if the left does it, then the left is insane, but then we do it to our own people and it's okay. So um, basically Candace was just saying that genocide's not okay for any nation. And she didn't say that Israel was committing genocide, didn't say that, you know, Palestine was, didn't say anything, just said genocide is never okay. Ben gets like recorded at a speaking engagement he was at and he gets um, recorded saying something along the lines of like calling Candace like a despicable human being and like, and he repeats it. (laughs) It's not like it blurted out. Like he said it and then he said it again. And then his crowd like applause, they applauded him and stuff. And I just thought how unfortunate, like I'm telling you when there was like a pit in my stomach when I heard that, because it was like, dude, one, that's like your coworker. Like two, like, come on, a woman's pregnant. Like three, like who says that about somebody, let alone somebody you like work with? You you sat in the same room with them, like you you record with them, like you're in like business meetings with them, like a, a weird uh, this, this is a weird time for your like resentment to bubble up. And so um yeah, everything happened and it kind of like it went viral overnight. And Candace, I think, was like, is, you know, eight, nine months at the time. And uh, she does this really sharp thing where she just didn't respond. <laughs> um, she even went on Tucker Carlson, was a brilliant move 
because she knew going to Tucker would be the exposure she needs. And she doesn't have to do it on her own platform because her own platform is where she, uh, she co-labors with Ben. And so like, why do it on daily wire and start a war within daily wire? Let me just go to an outside source, which is Tucker Carlson, a brilliant guy, brilliant platform. You know, it's going to be seen. And, um, you know, Tucker plays the video. Um, she like looks at it, watches it. And she's like, it just tells you more about Ben than it says about me. And that's all she had to say about it. And uh, Daily Wire to this day still has not really addressed it. Um, Jeremy Boring, one of the CEOs, was on this podcast and was trying to defend Ben. And it was this like, it's just such a shame to see how everything's going down. Candace, in the midst of all of it, took maternity leave because it was just a great time to take maternity leave. I think she left a little early. Um, everyone who knows Everyone and anyone who knows Candace Owens knows that she is a worker. She works, works, works. And um, she is a great steward of her body. She works out even amongst the pregnancy. She works out. She does well. And um, she was doing appearances seven, eight months pregnant. And it was great. So um, it's super unfortunate. It makes me super sad. I hope when she comes back, which I'm sure will be in 2024. I mean, people are just saying the wildest things online. They're just like, ooh, she's going to get fired because like Ben is kind of ranked up there. However, he does not hold that type of power within the Daily Wire. And um, Ben is not the judge, jury, and executioner. If anything, um, obviously the reprimand would come to to Ben, but he's one of their leading personalities. So like, how do you publicly reprimand him? You don't. I think it also would probably look really bad for the one conservative media news source. Yes. Of their one black woman who's with them. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's just all a bunch of white men. Right. A bunch of white men and Brett Cooper. If, if anything, I think that Ben is more on the chopping block for that issue. Yes. Yeah. It's I mean, like. You, you can find another intelligent Orthodox Jew who cares about politics and is conservative. <laughs> like they're, they're around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's completely replaceable, but if I had to cast a movie like with someone playing him who was him, it would be easier to find him than to find Candace. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, it, it, seeing t- uh, Tucker Carlson's interview with Candace is, is so worth the watch. Um, but it was so funny because she, like, calls him unprofessional, emotionally unhinged. Like, she's like, why would you throw me under the bus like that? It's not like, um, you know, she didn't, she didn't meet slander with slander, but you know, how do you, how do you call somebody disgraceful or ridiculous? Like somebody's, somebody's blatantly asking you a question about Candace Owens. And those are the words that you use to describe a coworker, um, let alone a woman, as you're saying, let it, let alone a black woman, let alone a woman who's pregnant. Like it's kind of like wild. And, uh, all because she said that no government anywhere has the right to commit genocide. Never mentioning any names, <laughs> but it's really weird just how, how quickly everything. PC comment you could ever say. 
literally it was as far as she can yeah it was as far as she can get honestly i think it sounds pretty awful if you say something as pc as people like countries shouldn't commit genocide and then to get really as defensive as ben got like okay did you just say that israel is committing genocide because that's what that reaction says that's what that yeah that's what that and he said like i know he had felt like it's not one of the only things that candace has said that has led him to believe like you know she's just not on the side of israel she did say on one of her last shows before she took her um maternity leave is that she is more uh pro-america than pro-israel um i personally don't see a problem with that and not because it's candace owens but because like i have to remember that i am an american um who loves israel okay i'm an american who loves israel and i think that um you know candace in her own way was probably saying something like that but the context of her saying that was because after the Republican debate, um, Israel was one of the topics and half of the candidates were like, America needs to bomb Palestine to support Israel. And half of the candidates were like, Hey, just like Ukraine um, and Russia, we should stay out of this war. The uh, Vic Ramaswari was like, yo, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but like people like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie, they want to send your sons and daughters over to fight a war we have nothing to do with. And so like they were just like using Israel as a political topic. And Candace was just saying they don't care about Israel as much as they're leading you to believe. They just want to say the right thing so that they can get your votes, which is why somebody as psychotic as Nikki Haley um, would say something about like, you know, just load up the tanks and head over to Israel in support of Israel. Um, when we ourselves don't even have the money or the manpower for that. And so, um, anyway, so it's super unfortunate that it even got to that point where Ben went completely unhinged and Candace has to keep her composure. Obviously Candace has not always said the right thing. She's not always right in every issue. Um, and it's okay. Cause neither is Ben. Um, I just think it's super unfortunate that as like you were saying before, someone as like a, a entity as powerful as Daily Wire needs to have a united front and a house divided will fall. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought it was silly that Jeremy Boring was just kind of like he tried to be Switzerland. He tried to be neutral and was like, well, Ben's great and Candace is amazing and da 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 like you have to call a spade a spade. And it's crazy to me that like Ben himself was not put like out on a timeout. Like Candace was like, I'm going to be on maternity leave because she gets like, you're going to, you're going to pay, you're going to write her checks for not working because she's like, you know what? You guys want to cause that. Now I'm going to take extra time off. But Ben just went cranking away the episodes, never mentioning like, Hey, I happen to say this about her behind her back. It got caught, like, you know, it got clipped. Like, this is what I, what I said. I'm sorry, I should have never spoken about a coworker that way. No, you just let, you let Ben throw his tantrum. And then because he makes you money, you kind of just like, oh, a little slap on a wrist maybe in, you know, in the board office doors or whatever. I'm sure that's exactly what it was. Like, come here, we have a meeting, go to the boardroom. He gets a little talking to, he leaves. He leaves. And they're like, hey, Ben, the next time you talk shit on your coworker, like, just ma- make sure there's no uh, phones out. 
Okay. Night, night, Ben. Okay. We love you. Thank you for making us money. (laughs) No, for real. It was definitely like slap on the wrist. I bet he was also like totally like in disagreement with whoever was reprimanding him. Like, I don't think that what I did was wrong and I don't think you could prove it. Yes. Yeah. Ben is amazing at circular reasoning. Not a bit remorseful. He is amazing at circular reasoning and he will, he will talk you into so many circles that you will believe that you're you, you yourself are wrong. No, it's true. Like all the advertisements on his podcast, like I almost bought like an um, app to read magazines. Like I don't even read magazines. Yeah. Yeah. He talks so fast that you, you like accidentally buy stocks. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you just, you don't know what you're doing. And so, um, also may I just add, and then we can move on that. Ben's response to Candace in the midst of everything that was happening with Israel is not helping a lot of um, underlining anti-Semitic hate. You behaving the way you did and then not being reprimanded, not being disciplined, not, not publicly addressing it because you're Jewish because you make them a lot of money because you are like a higher up, like it, it doesn't help people see the, um, the humanity in the Israeli and Jewish people because they're just like, well, Jewish people always do this and they get away with it. Oh, um, Israelis, like this is what they do in Israel and they get away with it. This is what they do. Blah, blah, blah. And so like, you're not helping And so you don't get to mistreat other people for the sake of, you know, what emotional, emotional turmoil you're going through. It's very hard um, to sit back and see what's been happening to this nation, but it doesn't give you the pass to be an ass. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's, it's unfortunate because I don't think people like the daily wire um, are aware of how it's coming off. There's already a hidden trope about people, like about Jewish people and how like they're in power and they do evil things with the power that they have. And then you let somebody like Ben Shapiro, who has as much power as he has, say whatever he wants to say about a coworker and a coworker takes off on um, maternity leave. It's crazy. And so it just... It, it just is not helping your cause. And then when you want people to feel bad for you, um, they don't. And so um, people don't know what to do with the discourse that's happening with Israel and Palestine. Moving on to our next Did You Hear? People don't know what to do with the discourse that's happening between Israel and Palestine, but people are not recognizing that obviously it's... Um, what they say about the truth is always their side, your side, and then there's the truth. Well, the Israel-Palestine conflict, we can just call it that. Um, You know, there's a third party at play and it's Hamas. And Mm -hmm. so it's not Israel versus Palestine. It's Hamas attacking um, Israelis because of their anti-Semitic spirit. Um, you know, and that's how the slander came out with the phrase from the river to the sea. That's how people are saying the things that they say. Um, that's how you end up with people in New York City tearing down 
the um, posters of people who've been kidnapped um, of the hostages, like the spirit is brewing up. And obviously the only thing that can negate that is, um, is love spirit of God coming in and completely annihilating that. But obviously hate for hate is never going to solve anything. And if it does, it'll never be the solution. It'll just be the bandaid. And so, um, as you can see with Israel and Palestine, hate for hate, like, you know, an eye for an eye is not, it's not helping anyone. Um, it's just an under, it's just literally you're sweeping it under the rug and it will resurface as you have seen. Instead, if they would realize that it has been Hamas, um, Hamas, like, versus the, the, the land of Israel. That's one of the things that I think has been, um, I would love for you to chime in on this, but one of the most unfortunate truths that have been missed about this whole conflict between Israel and Palestine is that people um, cannot tell the difference between the land of Israel and the state of Israel. Mm. And because you can't tell the difference, um, a lot of Christians are blindly um, and ignorantly <laughs> saying and following some things that like, you don't, you don't, um, you can't understand it without having the um, ability to differentiate between the two, the mm-hmm. land of Israel and the state of Israel, two totally different things. God blesses the land of Israel. Israel became a state in 1948, May 14th, actually on my birthday. That is a nation, right? Not the land. The land is what the Lord has blessed. The land, that's his people in there. When they became a state, that's when the politics come into play. That's when Israel falls into the same trap that they have fallen into since the beginning of time, which is they choose to put something in the place of God and let that govern it. That, that's how they ended up with kings. That's how they ended up with King Saul. They came to Samuel and they're like, hey, all these other nations have a king. We want a king. <laughs> Samuel's like, why? You guys have a good here. And they're like, we want a king. We want a king. And they ended up with Saul. All because Israel was too busy looking over their white picket fences. They're, too, they're, they're so busy looking at the, over their white picket fences, looking to see what their neighbors are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, ironic. it's wild because they were the only nation that like they just had like people being like, this is what justice is and we're going to make sure you get it. And then everybody else, I don't know, just do your thing. <laughs> and God was like, just so you know, this is what having a king is going to be like. You're going to get taxed. And they're like, we love it. Give us a king. <laughs> We want a king. <laughs> I can't believe they were warned about taxes and they were like, we're fine with that. So this is where it came from. <laughs> this is all their fault. <laughs> but um, it was, yeah, I think it was like first Samuel, like 12, but um, in, in reference to whoever's trying to follow along. But what we're referring to is in first Samuel, when Israel 
went to their prophet because they didn't want to talk to God face to face, but um, they went to the prophet Samuel and they're just like, Hey, we, we want a King. So um, fast forward to 2023 after 1948, Israel gets recognized as a nation and they claim that there's like this tug of war between Palestine and Israel. They claim that it's a tug of war between um uh, Arabs and, and Jewish people, like it's all the same thing under the same guise. Okay. For us Christians, how we respond is not to blindly say like Israel all the way. Um, don't let Palestine have their land. There is no, it's all one land. Okay. That, that nation completely belongs to God. Um, but when we like just blindly put up these things, Israel, 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 without ignorantly understanding what, what is the destiny of Israel, why God loves Israel, why it does matter what happens to Palestine. Um, I will say like maybe Palestinian people um, to which you can have a people, you can have a whole separate no- people group within another nation. It happens all the time. I'm speaking as somebody who is Haitian and we share a land with the Dominican Republic. And the Dominicans and Haitians have animosity at all year, every year. Like, you know, you cross over the border, you get slain, you get killed. Why? Because you, you are Dominican. When little do they know, Haitian people most likely have Dominicans in their, in their bloodline and Dominicans most likely have Haitian people in their bloodline because you cannot trace it back to say that this is your pure origin. And it's the same thing with Israeli and Palestinian people. Um, now the difference between the land and and the land and the state. Um, that's something just to acknowledge, but um, it really helps us differentiate where why we don't have blind allegiance because of that blind allegiance will teach us that um, it doesn't matter what Israel does. Um, Israel's always right. And um, nowhere does it say that in the Bible. Nowhere. No like understand why God loves Israel and understand why God protects Israel, but also understand why Israel gets into the trouble that they get into. Also understand why Jesus came. Also understand why there was ministry for both the Gentiles and the Jews. Understand all these things instead of just like reposting random, you know, Israeli flags, not understanding why, because people's lives are at stake. Um, it's not as easy for me to just turn around and go, um, is Israel all the way? Um, because, you know, we've been to the land, Palestine, uh, or I I should say Palestinians have taken claim of Bethlehem. They're like, no, this is part of our, this is part of our land. This does not belong to Israel. Bethlehem belongs to us to this day. Jewish people cannot even enter into Bethlehem. And so um, does that make Palestinians the enemy? No, it just makes their conflict um, animosity grow worse. But I've played with Palestinian children. I've danced with Palestinian widows. I have broken bread and have lunch with Israeli soldiers. It's very, you will never catch me saying, um, is Israel all the way Israel? Because, you know, Jesus loves Israel. God loves Israel. God loves Palestinians too. And you know what's even more offensive? God loves Hamas. And that'll really that'll really make somebody twerk. <laughs> Not in the best way. <laughs> 
And so it's you, even with the whole thing with like Lou Angle and we're talking about fasting, really get to understand the God of the Bible for yourselves without the rhetoric of who you see on social media, what somebody posts or reposts or what someone shares. Um, Because um, ultimately it's the humanity. (laughs) It's humanity that is at stake. It's not just one people group. It's not just one person. It's not just one body. Um, my spiritual mom reminded me that it was a terrorist that God encountered on the road who, she, who he blinded and asked him, why are you persecuting me? And it was a terrorist, Paul, in case you guys haven't figured that out, whose life got changed around and brought the most beautiful <laughs> picture of the gospel, which is union in Christ, brought it to us. And so um, it's not as easy. It's not as cookie cutter. It's not just like fill in the blank. It's not just, you know, is the answer A, B, or C. It's a very tricky time. And we need God. We need God to show us, to um, inform us, to direct us, to love us enough to tell us what to pray, how to pray, what to look for, who to who to believe, like... <laughs> There is so much at stake. And so, you know, it's it, it's unfortunate because it started with just a little a little tangent about the uh, beef going on between Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens. Who am I to say who's right? I don't know. There is a right and there is a wrong. I'm just saying that it's unfortunate that even in the midst of the conflict that's happening thousands of miles overseas, that even in America, two co-workers who work together you know, have their kids raised together, like unfortunate that this animosity has to be caused because of uh, two people groups who share a land who cannot get along and a terrorist group who is manipulating the conflict. Um, And so it's, it's not all, um, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. I do have verse. I do have a verse that when I was praying for Israel, when everything happened a month ago, the Lord reminded me of two verses. Two verses. Uh, let me read Ezekiel. I'm sorry, it's Ezekiel 36. I'm going to start at verse 20. It says, Wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. And since it was said about them, these are the people of Adonai, yet they had to leave his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel has profaned among the nations wherever they went. Verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, Adonai Elohim. I'm reading from the tree of life. It says, I do not do this for your sake, house of Israel, but for my own holy name, which you profaned among the nations wherever you went, wherever you went. I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. The nations will know that I am God. It is a declaration of Adonai when I am sanctified in you before their very eyes. And then it goes on to Ezekiel 36, a verse that a lot of people um, know is Ezekiel 36, 24, where God talks about um, the new heart and a new spirit. And it's so interesting that the Lord, like, you know, um, Israel was going through a lot. 
And the Lord sent Ezekiel as a prophet to be like, hey, you need to know what you did wrong. I am going to rebuke you, but here's your coming hope. This is what I'm going to do. But um, I love that the verse ends, okay, uh, verse 23 in chapter 36 ends saying, um, I'm going to sanctify you before your very eyes. And then he talks about having a new heart and a new spirit which is like the spiritual circumcision, which is interesting that like even in Joshua five to even enter into the Holy land, they had to be saying they had to be circumcised before entering the Holy land. And it's interesting that Israel was trifling and the Lord told Israel, you guys are trifling. And, um, but I am going to deliver you, but I'm not delivering you for your sake because you guys have been trifling and I know how you've been speaking about me. You talk about me like the, like the other nations do but you belong to me, but I'm still going to be faithful to you. However, I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm doing this for my own sake because my name is holy and God is going to be God. And he's not, he's not a liar. And so just like he established, um, just like he established his promise and his faithfulness to Adam and Eve, even though there was, um, there was the fall, he's like, well, I have to do all this because I am God and I am good, but you can't be here because of the, I can't coexist with you because of what happened. So fast forward to Ezekiel, the Lord's like, yeah, I'm going to deliver you, but I'm not delivering you because you guys are good. I'm delivering you because I'm good. Mm-hmm. Then he goes into talking about the new spirit within you. Um, and again, correlating that to Joshua five, um, saying like, I'm going to do all these things. And I'm going to cut off your old life from you. And that's why you guys got to be circumcised even before you can come into the Holy Land, which is very much like spiritual circumcision. When you come into Christ, you get spiritually circumcised. Why? Because you can't bring your old life into your uh, your new one. You just you, it has to be cut off from you that that like Jesus didn't come into your heart. You can't come into your heart. That would be him being unequally yoked. He actually had to give you a new heart. And when he gave you the new heart, that was your spiritual circumcision. All the old life, the old man, the old nature, the old self cut away from you. And so um, Ezekiel 36, 22, when I think about Israel and the stuff that they go to, I'm like, God's going to deliver them. He's going to deliver them. But they tend to forget that it's not because Israel's good. It's not because the land is holy. It's not because, oh, because it's always God's vulva. It's because he's good. It's not because Israel is a land that like never does anything wrong. They're untouchable. It's because God is good. And then I remembered um, in my journal, Genesis 32, which is the story about Jacob and him wrestling with God and um, I won't read it because you guys can go and read it for yourself so that for the sake, all tests of purposes, we can move on. But basically, um, I don't know if people have noticed that after the Lord wrestles with him, he changes his name to Israel, but he said, the reason I'm changing your name to Israel is because you will wrestle with God, but per, per, you will wrestle with God and man and will prevail. And so the destiny of Israel had been established ever since um, Israel as a spirit had been established. And so it's unfortunate, always unfortunate what happens to a land, what happens to something like Israel, something like this happens to Israel. It's always unfortunate. Um, does it have to cost people's lives? I, I don't know. I can't reconcile that. 
I am also not God. I just know that wicked things happen because there are wicked people out there. And there is a spirit of anti-Semitism. There is a spirit of anti-Christ. Like there is a spirit um, that um, does not like life. And that's why lives get taken. Um, Does all this have to happen in order for Christ to return? Um, No. (laughs) We know what the mandate is that has to happen in order for Christ to return. People like to correlate this so much with the end times. Like, oh, well, you know, Israel's going through this because of the end times. Well, maybe reread. (laughs) Israel be going through it because Israel be going through it, man. I I do want to say, though, on the note of God um, keeping his covenant for his name's sake and not for the sake of the people of Israel, um, it says in, I believe this is Psalm 138, I've placed above all things my name and my word. Oh, yeah. And what that means is he's God has put himself as subject to the words that he speaks mm-hmm. meaning that if he speaks something those words if he does not fulfill them those words will judge him and because god is so faithful when he makes a covenant he takes it seriously when he makes it and he takes it seriously when he fulfills it mm-hmm. which is also why faithfulness for his people is such a important quality that he looks for. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the promises that are for Israel, that God has made, those promises will always be for Israel because God cannot not be faithful to his Mm -hmm. word. Yes. Otherwise those words would judge him and his character would be put into question. Right. He will not violate his character just because Maybe like a nation deserves it. Maybe like the consequences of your actions are X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter if he said a promise, he has to fulfill it. And so that's what he's going to do. Case in point. Mm-hmm. You know, very little to do with us. Everything to do with him. Very little to do with us. Very little to do with the people of Israel. Very little to do with Palestine. Uh, very little to do with Hamas is just that Jesus is just going to be um, Jesus is forever has been and was the um, fulfillment of the promise. Our hope is that they connect to the, to the faith of their Messiah. And that's what we pray for. Um, and that's the hope that can be released on Israel. That's the hope that we pray for. Um I know that people love to pray for Israel and they don't want to like touch on the name Jesus because they don't want to offend anybody, but to like, you can't, um, we're, we're a package deal, you know, like you can't be asking Christians to be praying for Israel, but like, don't, don't mention Jesus because they haven't accepted him as Messiah. We're a package deal, babe. Like, you can't invite me to a party and say like, you can't bring your husband. No, like that's just not how, that's just not how we roll. And so Christians also need to remember that because I I've had people talk to me crazy about like, well, we don't want to push the envelope with them. And 
You know, Jewish people are so tired of Christians talking to them and trying to convert them. Like someone using that language of like converting. I'm like, what, what is the conversion? There is no conversion. It's Christ and it's him crucified. That's the only, that's the only hope I can offer you. It's the hope of the gospel. It's the hope of the nations. It's the hope for your soul. And it's the hope for your deliverance. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just Jesus. I, I don't know what to tell you. And like, I think we've talked about it before that like, there, there is no hope without the cross. And so I can't offer that to you. Like, I'm going to pray in faith that you encounter Christ. Like when I, what does it look like when I prayed for Israel, when, when Hamas had attacked, I had prayed for um, the revelation of the Messiah to be made known to them. And I actually prayed that in the IDF and the, in the um, Israeli soldiers that a spirit of David would rise up. Um, what was it? It was the, is it in second? No, it's not in Kings. No, it would be in Kings. Maybe second Kings when, um, when David and his men came back to the camp and saw and, and found that his wife had, his two wives had been kidnapped. It was a, it was like a popular chapter that everybody was preaching about like two years ago about the recover all. But um, basically that story, like I, that came to mind when, um, when the attack happened because it happened right after Feast of Tabernacles. And I was like, I don't think it's a coincidence that they waited till the feast was over. Everybody's caught off guard. People were resting. They were with their families and then the slaughter happened. And so just like David and his men were caught off guard, they left the camp and they came back and saw that everything had been stolen, included their women and children. And so I had, I prayed for a spirit of David to just rise up in the soldiers and um, praise God, you know, like we're finding out this week that some of the hostages are being released and they're waiting on the rest of them. And so that's what I, what I pray and hope for. Um, but first and foremost is that they encounter the Messiah, however they do, whether he comes to them in a dream, whether he sees, whether they see them, see him walking in the streets. I, I don't know, but um, there is no hope without the cross. And so um, that is my, forever going to be my, my prayer and my belief. And it, it's the same way I would pray for somebody who was Muslim. Like, I'm not going to pray with you without the hope of the cross. And so like, I, what, if I, if I don't have to tiptoe around a Muslim, why do I have to tiptoe around a Jew? And so that's just the end of that before it starts delving into the side of people being like, are you an anti-Semite? Yeah, I mean, you're listening to this podcast because we're being honest in our beliefs. And, you know, if whatever, people chop it up or they misunderstand what I'm saying, you can misunderstand what I, oh, I don't care. At the end of the day, like the only judgment seat I'll be before is Christ and not yours. And so um, I'm just saying that the only hope of the gospel, the only hope for Israel is Jesus. Um, and I will always believe that. And um, if anyone... Nate, be it Ben Shapiro himself, um, would oppose my um, my prayers for them uh, because I would pray in the name of Jesus for them. Then uh, that'll be grossly, grossly unfortunate. But that's the end of uh, that's the end of of my. Did you hear? Mm-hmm. Do you? want to hear something that you may not have heard? 
I would love to hear something I may not have heard. You probably have heard this since this is somewhat old news, but. Ooh. Okay. Stay. Did you hear that Kat Von D, the maker of my favorite eyeliner, uh, was recently water baptized? I I have heard that. Yes, yes. That's good real. news. That's really good news for those of us who like eyeliner. Uh, I know. And I know she did have lipstick. some. She had some killer eyeliner. You said she you liked her lipstick. Her liquid lipstick is phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. Really fun. We're gonna have to go to Sephora pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> so Kat Von D who many may know obviously from her makeup line and from her time on Miami Inc and LA Inc recently publicly declared that she is a follower of Jesus Christ and she did an interview about this on Ali Beth Stuckey's show and she commented that um, there were a bunch of people in the comment section of her uh, baptism video. And there were some people who were like, oh, that like, this is not like real. Um, some people who were like saying that because of her lifestyle or the way she dressed her, her music, like that her Christianity was not genuine because it didn't look the way that they thought it should. And then of course there were people who uh, <laughs> were missing her from what she used to be and hated that she was declaring her faith in Jesus Christ. And she commented that it was like watching a bunch of demons hissing at each other in the comments. That's the most accurate thing I've ever heard about Christians talking on social media. And honestly, Kat has some of the the greatest discernment I think I've seen in a in a young Christian who is not overly spiritual. Like she That's wild. Despite her her history with um she did post that she was getting rid of um her witchcraft and meditation books. She got rid of a lot of books that she just felt like the Lord didn't want her to have anymore. She wasn't very deeply in it, but people were really upset um, from the, the new age and the occult side. Oh yeah. She had really, really good sense about, um, just dealing with everything in, in a way of like personal conviction leading her. She did say that when she threw them out and she had posted that she was throwing them out, that there was a man who tried to, um, steal them from the garbage can and tried to break into her house. And she had to have she had to have her husband um, go downstairs and scare him off. So um, <laughs> it's just, it's really interesting because she was like, I um, am not the type of person who will always think there's a demon behind everything. I think people get carried away with that. But this man, when you looked into his eyes, he looked demon possessed. Oh, yeah. And I was just really impressed with the way that Kat was describing all the spiritual stuff that was happening around her and to her um, and through other people 
really accurately um, for someone who professes a, a very simple faith. She like really very long. Yeah, she's she's totally simple. She goes to more of like a traditional church. Um, everybody there is very traditional. Um, the music that are, are more hymns. She even asked Allie which Bible to buy when she first converted, and she has an ESV study Bible. She's just a very, like, simple, like, run-of-the-mill kind of faith, and yet describing spiritual things with a lot of accuracy. Right. So, um, I also did not know this, but her parents are actually missionaries. I thought I heard that. That's really sweet. Yeah, it, um, it, was, it was really sweet to hear her her backstory, which was so innocent compared to, I think, what a lot of people think of her because she is friends with Marilyn Manson and um, her music and the imagery for her music does look a bit extreme. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's the genre. Yeah, but absolutely. I'll tell you one thing. I swear to God, if any of these Christians who are into deliverance ministry try to get up in her comments or in any part of her life and try to give up the freedom that she found in Christ Jesus for a lie, for imprisonment and enslavement to the law when she is saved by grace through faith. I swear to God, if somebody gets her on this, tries to make her repent for her albums or for her music imagery, <laughs> I will pop right off. You let her be. She She's walking. You in let her be. <laughs> just let just let her be oh yeah it says her drakenberg i love her last name i mean i love cat D, but i love her last name drakenberg um her parents were seventh day Adventist missionaries she describes her family's religion as christian with a few jewish traits we kept the sabbath went to church on saturdays followed the ten commandments and we didn't eat any pork or fish without scales that's crazy but yeah, I just wanted to see like because you said her parents were missionaries, so I just wanted to like look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's cute here. Her dad was a a doctor. Um, yeah, I love the conversion, and I love that her conversion was no fills and thrills. Thank you, Jesus, that she wasn't on camera throwing up, you know, in buckets, and uh, you know she wasn't crawling up backwards. Falling up a wall backwards. I just, it was so simple. She just, you know, she gave her life to Jesus and the transformation happens. Um, I love how simple it is, you know? The simple gospel, the cross, it works. Yeah. I know. It still works. The gospel's still working today. Pure, unadulterated, even if it comes through Ali Beth Stuckley. And um, <laughs> that girl's weird. Um, I love it. I lo- And I love that, you know, even like she, she's got like a men- mentor slash confidant in Ali. And I think that's cute. Like, that's cool. And I, I, I hope she gets like, you know, more Christian support, like more people who are coming up, you know. I would say the Jenny Weavers of the world should probably stay away from her. <laughs> yeah, um, no, keep her far away from Kat. 
far away. Protect cat at all costs. Because, um, you know, people in those type of ministries, they, you know, they're just so good at digging up things that aren't there. And, uh, you know, with her, I just love even just hearing the way that Kat's talking. It's just that she is just in the beginning stages of like, I am in love with Jesus. And this is how my heart is responding to being in love with him. And I will figure out the rest in my journey of being in love. And so I just love the simplicity of that. Um, in recent news to that, you shared the good news about Kat Von D. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a did you hear. Tell me. What do you want me to hear? Did you hear that um, Daddy Yankee, the Puerto Rican rapper and singer, Gave his life to Christ. I did not hear this. Oh, yeah. Um, Daddy Yankee, I want to say, man, he had, it was like a huge, he was doing like a little concert. And I say little, but it was a big concert. But it was in front of like 20,000 people. Pretty sure. when Because I, I wanted to see like how many people were in the crowd. Like they were just like, he was in concert. But like, I was like, man, how many people heard this, right? It was like Biebs level. Like, you know how Justin Bieber is always like slipping in the gospel at um, one of his concerts? Daddy Yankee was like, it was about 20,000 people there. And he was just like, hey, um, I want to get his quote. Um, he says, I'm human and everyone that follows me should follow Jesus. Um, he said that Christ loves you. And he wants to be referred to his birth name was Ramon Ayela Rodriguez. Okay. Oh, yeah. And um, he says, this is why tonight I'm acknowledging that Jesus lives for me and I will live for him. All the tools that I have within my power, like music, social media, my platform, the mic, everything that God gave me is now for him. Mm. And so with that, he has decided to like, you know, kind of leave it behind. Um, He says, today I'm announcing my retirement from music by giving you my best production. He's saying this at at the concert. He says, I'm giving you my best production. I'm giving you my best concert tour. I will celebrate um, 32 years of being in this business. Um, He's like releasing another album, like the end, like the end game of his career. And he's like, I'm going to give you all the styles. I'm going to give you everything in one single album. Um, And I'm going to say goodbye to this industry, which would probably be one of the best things he could ever do. And um, (laughs) I, I wanted to bring this up because someone who will go, who shall remain nameless. Um, follow Jesus, the way, the truth. Wow. He called him the way, the truth, and the life. Who's been preaching to him? This man's been reading his Bible. Man's been um, in his word. Say that again. This man's been in his word. He has been in it. He said, mm-hmm. living a successful life is not the same as living a life with purpose. Mm. That's incredible. Um, he's going to leave the reggaeton behind, which is like, fine. I was kind of just thinking like, bring the reggaeton with you. That's all. Just bring it with you when you get to heaven. Like we're going to be turning up and I I love it. 
Um, I guess the 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 number of people I had it written down because I was like wowed by it. But I want to say it's like twenty thousand people. But so he's you know preaching the gospel, which is like Jesus saved them, and. Someone was sharing on Facebook the other day, just like, yo, like, Daddy Yankee got saved, and that's amazing. And he was like, I just wish he wouldn't leave the industry, that he would just in turn minister within the industry. Mm -hmm. And I get that. I get the sentiment. I really do. I really do. Here's the problem. If a stripper was to get saved... I would not wish that the stripper would stay in the strip club and try to get her coworker saved. Mm-hmm. If a hooker got saved, I would not say, man, I wish she would stay with her uh, pimp so that she can get the other hooker saved. Um, if he did not feel like this is the type of environment that he can thrive in his faith in, I think it was a very mature decision to leave. Um. Also, let's be real about the industry is not a safe place, okay? And so we don't know what he has seen from his side of the industry and why he's like, it's not that he just gave his life to Christ, but he's like, I'm giving my my life to Jesus and I'm going to live for him. And that to me means I'm going to step away from the industry. Um, I just think it's kind of unfair to be like, oh, well, I wish he would stay there and like, get you know his friends saved like it's just a harmful environment right now for him i would not um suggest that somebody who had been delivered from alcohol or somebody who like got ministered to right side right outside of a bar the next night go back into the bar and be like hey i want to preach the gospel to you because we don't know what that environment looks like for them um so i don't know what your thoughts are for that you've kind of been quiet but I, I just don't think it's a safe thing to say. Um, well, now that you've kind of laid it all out there, I'm in agreement with you. And when I, when I was, when you were talking, I was asking the Lord if he should leave the industry and I felt like it was a no. And I felt like there are friends that he has in there that he can continue to make music with and that they would actually see a difference in the way that he worked um, as a Christian and the way that he even created People forget all the time, Christians forget this all the time, that we are the only beings on earth that are actually connected to the creator who gives us the ability to create. And therefore, we should be the most highly creative people on the Mm -hmm. planet. We have the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwelling inside of us. (laughs) We have access to the heavenlies through Jesus, who is the door. Mm. We have access to the heart of the father. There is no reason that Christians should be not productive in anything that they do, that they should not be creative. In fact, we should be the forerunners of every creative style. Christian music, films, whatever, like all that creative industry should not be a sterilized regurgitation of what the world Mm. is doing. Mm-hmm. we should be showing them how it's done. Right. And I think that, to be honest, there's a lot of condemnation that gets in the way of Christian artists creating beautiful, impressive things because they have so much guilt and shame tied to 
those industries and they see them as, well, Satan owns this industry, therefore he owns music, therefore he owns the media. Um, like he may own Hollywood, but does he own the medium of film, of television? Mm-mm. Not unless we let him. Mm-mm. And so really I think that um, every Christian artist um, and every artist who happens to be a Christian should not step away from their art, but should co-create with Christ as we were purposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been given the best cheat code, mm-hmm. which is uh, being able to co-create with the co- with the creator, as you're, you were saying. Um, I do think that, like, as talented as he is, I'm sure he could be able to um, bring that talent under a new light and produce, or maybe even help produce up and coming Christian artists or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Cause sometimes what happens with some of these artists, a la Dante Bo, they step outside of the kingdom because they want to get successful and the type of success that they see or the type of reach that they want, they can't get from a Christian producer, a Christian, but fill in the blank. So that's why they step outside. But if you were to have somebody like that's why Chandler Moore was so thirsty to work with Justin Bieber. And so like um, that's why if somebody like Daddy Yankee was to step away or I'm sorry, Ramon, if he was to step away and be like, I'm going to step out of this sector of the industry and um, I'm going to produce music, but obviously glorifying God. Right. Well, Ramon still has the pull because he still has the history that he had sewed into the music industry. So if he was to call up and be like, yo, I need studio time for like 10 people because of his weight, they're going to be like, oh, absolutely. We're going to give it to you. And so um, I could see how that is, how that would be beneficial if he stayed in the industry. But, um, you know, Someone who it has been as like, it sounds like he has been like radically, like the way he's talking, it makes it seem like he, he had been encountered by God in a dream. Like he just was been sold out. Um, I know for me, BC before Christ, um, if someone was to find my MySpace, <laughs> I would be mortified because I'm like, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be measured by my past. And so for Ramon Rodriguez, um, you know, the man was iconic and it's crazy. Like, let's say like, you know, five years from now, he wants to go into churches and he wants to build a church in Puerto Rico and people are Googling his name. Well, women shaking their ass and gasolina is going to come up. And so like, why not separate yourself from that? And so I could see why he's, stepping away um but it's a hard that's a hard order to fulfill when you're asking you know oh i wish you know oh he's stepping away but i wish he would have stayed in the industry we also don't know we don't know what he's seen we don't know what he's seen in order to like or what he's turned a blind eye to to be like i didn't see that let's let me produce my music let me be successful like we know we know that industry is weird i mean look all the stuff that's coming out about p diddy we know the industry is weird and so for him to be like, I'm leaving. 
I'm going to just presume that he has seen some things and he wants to separate himself from some things. Mm. No, it's true. Um, We may not know everything that goes down, but we have a pretty good idea of it. (laughs) And I wonder too, if it's one of those situations where he doesn't know how to have boundaries within it. So he's just removing himself entirely. But, um, and I understand that from a new believer, like if you're a new believer, or even if you just don't know how to defend your boundaries and you go into a space where you've already violated the boundaries that you now have, it's hard to maintain them, Mm -hmm. especially in a familiar space. So I hope he goes back in a, um, in a different capacity or, or finds a safe place or safe people to do it with, because I can absolutely understand like. Hey, like I've done some things I'm not proud of in this place with these people. And mm. I'm not sure I know who I am yet as myself in Christ to maintain that identity when I walk back into familiar spaces. Mm. There's a reason why in Psalm 45 it says, forget your people and your father's house. And they desire yep. your beauty. And so he may actually need to to forget his people and his father's house mm-hmm. for a season. Um, but hopefully he does not miss out on creating music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to hearing more from, um, Ramon. I'm looking forward to hearing more of his story. Like I also am curious as, um, as if I'm curious to hear more about his story about maybe like, during the conversion, was it something similar to Paul to where the Lord had called him and then gave him orders? Mm. And so like, um, you know, like the Lord told Paul, like, Hey, you're going to get up and you're going to go to this person's house. Like, even though you're blind, da da da. But so I wonder if like, he knows what he's going to do for Christ. And that's why he's like, I now live for Christ and that's what I'm going to do. And blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, Maybe his story is going to be like, he told me to, you know, my example before was build churches in Puerto Rico. And in order to do that, he's got to leave the industry. But I'm, I'm curious to hear more of his story. Kind of like Kat had her whole, it had her, had the ability to do a podcast and we got to hear more about, you know, what led her to um, leave all that behind. I would love to hear Daddy Yankee's story. And I would love to actually hear and see more stars, more celebrities, more musicians, more producers, more actors, more makeup artists. I would love to hear more um, about these people who are um, coming to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I like that, especially even with Daddy Yankee and with Kat, that they are like talking about Jesus. (laughs) You know, like some people, they talk about faith and they're like, yeah, I believe in God. And that's like as far as they get. But they never like mention the name Jesus. And it's like, you know, by whose name were you baptized? (laughs) You know, like asking that question. But I love that there has been an encounter that they've had and it's caused a transformation. And so we love that. Uh, Jamie. Yeah. Do you have another did you hear from me? I have some news. Oh, okay. Okay. And I was wondering, Lenny. 
What's up? Did you hear? Tell me. That recently within Cosmo Magazine um, and on their Instagram, they did an article about a satanic abortion clinic in New Mexico. And one of the posts is how to do a satanic abortion ceremony. Gross. Complete with multi-photo instructions and upside-down crosses because they're obsessed with us. Gross. With pictures step-by-step? Thank thank God. God, uh, as in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God. God. That's right. That God, so we're clear, not the the prince of this rule of this world who lost his crown when Jesus made a shoe of him openly. He is unemployed. <laughs> He's literally been pretending he has a job for a long time now. It's very he embarrassing. Too much attention to a man who's unemployed. Facts. So the um th- thankfully <laughs> also the Posts have a lot of negative comments on them, and they did not take down those comments. The comment sections have passed the vibe check. Well, as they should have negative comments. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Like, what are you thinking? But in it, you know, talking about Cosmo and talking about this article, I need to, I need to, I need to reveal some truth here. Do it. Just yeah, just this. Come on. Some people may know that I used to work in the fashion industry and I did work many, many times with Cosmo magazine. (gasps) Look, I don't like to talk about it because I escaped that world. And I have to say something about Hearst and about all magazines in general, because Teen Vogue has also come under fire from conservatives for posting about how to do magic. Um, Actually, Teen Vogue posted an article, I think this was in the past year, about how to do blood magic with your period blood. Let me just say this. What? Teen Vogue has been out of print for a while. It's been years now that it's been out of print. They lost their editor-in-chief because they could not afford their editor-in-chief. She was a great editor-in-chief. Her name was Amy Astley. It still is Amy Astley. She's now the editor-in-chief of Architecture Digest, which she moved to not because she has a passion for interior design, but because she wanted to be paid a fair amount for her job. She probably would have had to take a salary cut if she had stayed at Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue then moved over to the care of three people who shared the job of editor-in-chief, one of those people being Elaine Welteroth, who used to be the beauty editor. And then finally, the magazine folded to being only online. Now, Cosmo, I'm actually, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my gosh. And did they ever fulfill the role of editor-in-chief? I know they tried to have three people do one job, but clearly they don't have an editor-in-chief. That's how you got away with an article about blood rituals with your period blood. Yeah, no, they they don't really have an editor-in-chief anymore. Clearly. What usually happens with print publications is that as they begin to dissolve, the people who or higher ups at the company that they work for will either have one person who does multiple jobs oversee a publication or 
or they will have people that have absolutely nothing to do with that publication who do something else for that company oversee it. Um, so it's it's either either like one person who's a photo editor for say like five magazines. So they're doing what should be five people's jobs, one person doing it. Um, or like or, I said, somebody who has absolutely nothing to do with the magazine overseeing it. Or one AI bot. <laughs> At this point. So basically right now, um, this last time I'm hearing in 2022, um, the magazine prints eight themed issues as opposed to 12 issues, which is standard for a magazine's publication um, prior to recent times, one for every month. It's publishing, um, it published 12 in 2019, 10 in 2020, and then when the pandemic began, nine in 2021. So right now, as of 2022, it publishes eight print issues a year. Now, let me tell you something that was happening in the world of magazines around the time. I'm going to spill the tea because I'm mad at you guys. Okay. Yes. I'm I'm done holding this tea in because you guys are embarrassing. Let's talk about um let's talk about Condé Nast first of all. So Condé Nast used to be in some like real cute fancy offices over in Times Square, right? Now, around Oh, I don't know. This was maybe within the past eight years. They moved over to the World Trade Center. Who wants to have an office in the World Trade Center? In FIDI. No one. That's the answer. There's a reason why um, no one wants that space. And there's a reason why they moved there. The reason why is because the people who owned the building agreed to give Condé Nast four years of free rent. Right. But even that couldn't save their publications. Those people who worked for Condé Nast were always scared of getting fired because their their magazines are hemorrhaging money. They cost a lot to make. Advertisers don't want to pay for the space because it's not an effective advertising method. Um, advertisers don't want to pay for editorial spa- space because it's not an effective advertising method. You have to pay freelancers. You have to pay writers, you have to pay all the people that work for the publication. There's a lot of people that it takes to make a magazine and to keep that system up in a world where people aren't buying magazines is impossible. So four Mm -hmm. years at this, at this location without rent did absolutely nothing for them. The magazines we've all seen, they have gone out of print. They have, um, before they went out of print, they got editors who were like children, who would replace the legendary editors-in-chief. All of the people who worked at these prestigious magazines could not keep their prestigious jobs with their prestigious pay. And so they got children to do it. And then when they got children, aka millennials, sorry to all of that, <laughs> to take over their jobs, inexperienced millennials, then finally the magazine also suffers in quality because you were paying people to make a great quality publication. You were getting a great quality publication that nobody was buying. Then you pay people who are not as good at the job. The quality of the publication goes down. You're already suffering because people don't want to buy it. It goes out of print. It goes to just online. You're probably paying freelancers. They're just freelance writers at this point. You're probably buying stock images. Whereas before these magazines were paying photographers um, to shoot everything individually with some, um, some, syndicated images sprinkled in. Right. That's pretty standard um, in magazines, even when they were doing really well, as there would be some 
um, some syndication. So the thing is, when it comes to Teen Vogue, like I said, and um, some some of my information is a little bit dated, but I don't know what they're doing recently. But what I do know is that they went under. Yeah. Nobody nobody pays attention to, to Teen Vogue. So when it comes to Cosmo, Cosmo is one of the top women's magazines in the U.S., which isn't saying much because nobody reads magazines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what was happening at Hearst eight years ago. This is before magazines went under. Hearst has an office in New York. That office building is something that they own, but of course you got to pay property taxes. You got to pay for the upkeep of the building. People need to be in those offices that are making money and paying rent regardless. Right. Right. What was happening within the past 10 years was that these people who worked for Cosmo first, it started where they were losing floors. So they had a floor would be one magazine staff, but then it became Cosmo and 17 share a floor. It becomes Cosmo mm. 17 and Redbook share a floor. That like all of the magazines are compressing into less and less office space. The other thing that happens is they get an on-staff photographer. This is a person who is like an inexperienced photographer. They're going to be shooting all the content that they need to make that's original content. Right. What does this tell you? You're sh- you're having um photographers who were like legendary in the industry who wanted the tear sheets because that's a prestigious thing to desire as a photographer. If you have a tear sheet, like Cosmo hires you, if Vogue hires you, you have a lot of pull with actual commercial advertisers who will say, wow, like this person does great work. It was featured in Vogue. Let's hire them to shoot Macy's. So when you when you don't have a freelance photographer, freelance photographers, because those tear sheets are very valuable to them, they will work for less than their commercial rate. And that goes for makeup, hair, styling, everything as well. Um, With the exception of a stylist, which is usually on staff at a magazine, hair, makeup, and nails and and photographer are never on staff if you're actually creating a great shoot. The reason why there's a fashion editor in-house, it's a fashion magazine. You have access to the clothes. So the person who gets that job they're also writing about the clothes. It's it's an all-encompassing job. It makes sense. But mm. if you're hiring a on-staff photographer rather than having a freelance photographer come in, you're in financial trouble. Right. We're smelling the and in there's addition, smoke, there's fire. Uh-huh. And in addition, do you think those photos are going to be good from, say, a photographer who's used to shooting Chanel campaigns or... Um, even like an urban decay beauty campaign to like somebody who is like fresh out of photography college, joining the staff of Cosmo magazine to like learn the ropes. No, these photos are not good. You guys, um, these photos are not good. You guys, the other thing that happens and you'll notice this, if you ever pick up a magazine is the paper quality will be really bad. And if you magazines used to feel like in the 2000s, the quality, quality. I remember cutting it, cutting them up. I would cut out John Mayer. I'd cut out Eminem. I would cut out Jason Mraz, just my little boo things and just stick them on the wall. You can't do that with today's paper. You can't. It used to be thick. It used to smell amazing. It used to be glossy. Now it's matte, thin, Paper, awful. So you're seeing the cost being cut. Paper, ink, staff, floors of offices. Till finally, of course, a lot of magazines completely go out of print 
they're only servicing their content online. Mm. Now, when it comes to Cosmo, Cosmo is one of the bigger names within the women magazine space. When it comes to women's magazines at like Cosmo's level, you don't really have too many else in this category because nobody else is this vulgar. Glamour right. magazine is the number one magazine, um, number one women's magazine in the world, but it's fashion and beauty. It's not vulgar. Cosmo is disgusting. We all know this. Cosmo's been disgusting. Cosmo's right. been ratchet, and y'all need to be called out for that. Ooh. Disgusting. Watch okay. It. So I'm when you think of all the publications that are still in print, L, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, they're all hemorrhaging money. Mm. Which Leads me to say, first first of all, when it comes to this article, like, you're just, you're like, we're broke. Yes. We, nobody's paying attention to us. We've got to do something. Yes. It's, it's very desperate. It comes across really desperate. But all this to say, with the, <laughs> the conclusion of looking at these magazines, what what is happening to them it leads me to my point. Bring it. Witchcraft is for broke people. <laughs> and this is my point. You're poor. Okay. If you are one, if you cannot take care of a child that you also, you didn't have enough self-worth to not sleep with a man who wouldn't take care of said child. Ooh. And you're going to try to control the situation with magic because Ooh. you're scared. What does that say about you? Right. You're broke. You're broke. You're scared. Even if you have like, say you have like a lot of money, say you're like, actually I, I've been storing away. I ain't ever met somebody who does magic, who wasn't like just squirreling away every last penny, even if they had a lot of pennies, they're still because yes. they're squirreling it away. They're not generous. Right. They're not, they're not generous and kind. They're like, I have to hoard all of this. Why? Because you're scared. You're oh scared because deep down you're broke. That's the problem. You're broke. doesn't matter how much money you have, but usually Think of think of every occult thing you've ever run into. Think of every crystal shop. Think of every New Age bookstore. Think of every tarot reading room. Think of every psychic you've ever seen. What do they all have in common? Gross. They're seedy. They're yeah. in, a, in a gross neighborhood. Everything smells bad. They're broke. They're broke. <laughs> They're broke. They're seedy. They're <laughs> so right now. I am just taking an opportunity to say Cosmo Magazine and everybody who is involved in this, you are under judgment. Clearly. I'm judgment until you repent because right. I have authority to do that because y'all mess with my internet connection. So um, I'm taking authority and I am, I am calling down salvation mm. over every person involved. They're going to know their Lord and Savior and the enemy's going to be pissed because he's broke. Because he's broke just like his followers is broke. Meanwhile, I mean, our father is the one with the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm screaming because it's true. I'm sorry. I didn't want to drag the asses like that, but I have to say, but, but I love I love magazines. I love the world of editorial. I, I bless 
those magazines that are still doing it right. But when you guys start being messy, I have to spill your tea. Everybody thinks you're so cool and you're so awesome and that you're so prestigious and glamorous. You're broke. Bottom line, you're broke. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get much broker than that. It really does not. So, um, you know, so the ultimate tagline is witchcraft is for broke people. If you consider doing it, don't do it. You'll be broke. Everybody you know who does it, they're probably broke. It's embarrassing and it's hemorrhaging money. Witchcraft being for broke people, um, you know, it's a little, it's a little insulting when you're just like, wow, I've truly sunk into the bottom of the barrel. If I have to resort to witchcraft to try to maintain a job, to try to get a job, to um, manifest money, um, witchcraft is for broke people um, because Christians know who their daddy is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They know who their provider is. They knew. They know where their security is. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, witchcraft is for broke people. I've never heard a truer statement. Thank you. Honestly, people need to know this. This this message needs to go out to the world. Witchcraft is for broke people. That that's like just hilarious to me. And think about it. Even the people who are really successful who do witchcraft, they have to make so many deals where they're losing themselves. I was going to say, yeah. They're losing their souls. They're giving away, they're giving away parts of their souls before they pass over. They're, they're, they have to do that. When you, you can sell your soul, you can sell other people's lives. You can sell your own innocence. Like the, the enemy, when he, makes people prosper um he's taking more from them than oh, yeah. than what they're getting like i oh, said yeah. they're take parts of your soul which you like if we could see what that physically looks like we would see that's that's something that's tangible right. the, the people that they're sacrificing the innocence the experiences and trauma that they go through that t- takes away even more of their soul and their sanity so you're selling something that's worth more than what you're getting so therefore you're broke. Therefore, um, yeah, because the simple matter, the simple fact, actually, it's because of the simple fact that the enemy will indebt you when God is the one who gives you credit. He will already credit your account when it talks about uh, reckon yourself dead to sin. That reckon term is a math term, as we know. Um, it means do the math. So do the math, and you, you're going to determine yourself that you're dead to sin, but alive to God. And that same term was in like Romans four, where in the complete Jewish it says that um, God credited to he he credited Abraham as righteous. And so um, the idea that like Abraham didn't even have he didn't even have the positive balance in his account to have the faith. He's like, I don't, I don't have the faith. The Lord's like, no worries. I'm going to credit it to your account. Boom. Now you already have the faith on my credit. 
Cause without faith, you can't even have faith without me. And so he's like, I had to give you that faith. And so that was a credit. That was a loan. That was like, I'm actually going to give you the faith first. And so it's so funny that the term had to be credit. Like they mm-hmm. use, I know credit. And so they, they use the term credit. Only God can give you credit when it comes to faith mm-hmm. and the enemy will always keep you in debt. And so mm-hmm. witchcraft, is for broke people. That was beautiful. What you just did there, beautiful. Oh my God, I can't believe Romans 4, 3. It says, for what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Wow. That faith was on credit. The Lord's like, let me just put it into your account before you could even pay me. Let me give you the faith to believe that I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. And then when Abraham stepped into it, the Lord was not asking for that balance back because he's like, I know you're going to pay it in full because you were going to need to have the faith to believe that your descendants were going to be as numerous as the stars. That's why I even asked you to do something as foolish as count the stars. I know you can't. I know you can't count the stars. That's why I had to credit you the faith. Mm. Oh my God. That was gorgeous. What you just did there. So funny. I bow down to the queen. No, no, it's on credit. (laughs) (laughs) It's on credit, but witchcraft is for the Brook people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about it. Well, that was fun. Cosmo, the Cosmo was fun. Mm-hmm. Glad that I got was, to pop off about that. Cosmo was was definitely fun. I'm glad we were able to do that without any more technical hiccups. They don't have authority to mess with us. They're broke. They're broke, and their balance is insufficient. Um. Lastly, Tell me. Um, how can this did you hear even be quick? But let's try, let's try to wrap this up as quickly as we can. Um, and as sensitive, as sensitively as we can, um, with as much honor as we can, but also let's use a little discernment here. Not a lot of people have been reporting about the whole debacle that's happening in Kansas city. And no, we're not talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. We're talking about the house of prayer. Um, what's going on there. Did you hear that? Uh, there was this girl who said that Mike Bickle, Mike Bickle had spiritually, um, and sexually abused her and weaponized the prophetic into like convincing her that they were destined to be together. From the Wasn't her name had, Jane Doe? Her name is Jane Doe to protect her identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean the title itself, okay? Can we not... Can we not? Also, this is like this page is called the, um, is this the one? 
No, there's one, there's like the Roy's report, but then there was also another, another page where I was like, where, who, who came up with this page? Um, but on the, as, um, as reported by the Roy's report, which is a website, um, homegirl by the name of Rebecca Hopkins on November 30th had reported and wrote this article titled exclusive semicolon woman says that IHOP KC founder Mike Bickle used prophecy to sexually abuse her. Uh huh. The article goes on to say about how from the moment he met her, he was like, girl, you are Esther. You are an Esther. Okay. Raise your hand. If you've ever been prophesied about being an Esther. They will just and all the women in the back, <laughs> literally the crowd. Um, <laughs> the the whole Esther thing, I'm already, I'm already like it's sussy to me. Okay, now I'm already raising eyebrows. Story goes on to say that he was like, "Hey, you and I are destined to be together, destined to be together." The girl Jane Doe, as reported, was like, um was like, what about your wife? And he's like, don't worry, she's going to die soon. And he just kept saying that she's going to die soon. Ridiculous. Um, I kept comparing her to Princess Diana. At the time, the woman says that she was 19 and Mike Bickle was 42. Um, he was calling himself like a King David and she was his Esther. I don't see the correlation in the stories, but okay. Book or timeline. At all. That like, um, like at all. of years apart, to be honest. So soon after she arrived to Kansas City from wherever she came from, um, Bickle approached her at a Sunday service in front of his wife and prophesied this whole Esther word over her. And um, she was even quoted saying that he gave me the biggest word of my life. He says, you're not just an Esther, like this in the prophetic word. He says, you're not just an Esther. You're going to lead thousands of Esthers. Pause. Let us give you um, a brief lesson on discerning prophetic words and also what it looks like to not hunger for affirmation over the prophetic Sometimes people are just looking for affirming words. I am in circles all the time where people want a prophetic word, but really they just want affirmation and they want encouragement and they would prefer that over the prophetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they were, if someone was to give you a prophetic word and be like, I really feel, I really see the Lord um, like birthing in you the strategy to, um, reinvent your business and that you have tried uh, for about two years now to continue to go with the motions in your business, but the Lord is trying to get your attention and he wants you to rebuild your strategy. He wants to give you the schematics for your business and your, it, your business is going to be like brand new, but you're working with the same skeleton bones. Okay. So that's a word for somebody who's listening. What people would rather hear is the Lord called you to be an entrepreneur. You're going to make so much money in a couple of years. 
and um, you're a businesswoman. And yeah, the Lord loves that you're a businesswoman and you're going to open so many businesses and you're going to have so many employees and you're going to make so much money. People would rather the second word because I'm being affirmed as a business person and I'm being told that I'm going to make so much money without even testing it. I'm not going to test it. Why would I test it? I want to make money. But if somebody is like, okay, but then you're like, oh, the Lord's going to give you a strategy. Oh, you have to put in the work. Oh, this is where you have been. This is where you're going now. People don't know what to do with it. The purpose of a prophetic word is always to encourage, to build up, um, and to direct. Now, um, that's according to what? First Corinthians 14. I'll pull it out. I'll pull it out right now. Cause we're not, we're not blowing smoke at you. No. Mm-mm. The time for games is over. Da, 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 da. Jesus is the answer. Jesus. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, like, cause like, let's demystify this right now. Um, and we're, and we're going past the process of like, what, what do they always quote in Romans? <laughs> um, calling, calling, uh, give life to the dead thing, call things that are not as though they were mm-hmm. people always pass. They, they speed past that. They yeah. will, they will break the speed limit running right past yeah. that. Cause they're just like, well, it says that we should call things that are not as they were. And, and that's as far as they get. <laughs> Cause that's all they want to do. Um, the gifts of the spirit enriched in every way speaking in knowledge because of our testimony about Christ was conformity. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift. Praise be to God and the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I love you, God. I am. Um, First Corinthians 12, 4. Mm-hmm. Strengthening, encouraging, and or comforting. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. First Corinthians 14, 3. Let's see what my Philip says. I'm going to go in my parallel. First Corinthians 14, 3. Okay. The Phillips is like interesting because it's laid out like the message where there's not traditional chapters and verses. So you kind of yeah, you kind of have to like read around. I feel you. Okay, so fourteen. But like you kind of see verses and then you kind of get an idea of where you where you're at. This is 13. No one understands a word he says, but God only in his spirit is he speaking spiritual secrets, but he who preaches the word of God is using his speech for the building up of the faith of one man, the encouragement of another or the consolation or another. Aha. He who preaches the word of God is using speech for the building up the encouragement or the consolation. So you better prophesy. I mean, because you better eagerly desire to do that. You better eagerly desire. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so crazy. Uh, be intentional with your speaking because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Hello, Proverbs 18. 
So um, back to Mike, back to Michael, back to this homegirl. See, there's a lot of things that are that have gone wrong with the story. One, obviously, I would not have trusted the prophetic culture there. Okay, if the head of said worship movement, said prayer movement is giving words like that. Okay. Um, some of it was maybe his, his, maybe he was spiritually abusive. Some of it was your ignorance homegirl. Um, because you, you have access to the Bible just as much as he does. Um, I'm going to read on the story. I was, my whole thing about the prophetic was like a tangent. I'm just saying that, um, the point and the purpose of the prophetic obviously is to strengthen, encourage, and console, um, comfort. Maybe some people would also say, and again, as I said, according to first Corinthians 14, three, just read all of first Corinthians 14. If you under, 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 if you want to understand the purpose of the prophetic and the idea that everyone can prophesy, everyone has the, the ability to hear God for themselves. Mm -hmm. I already do not empathize with the situation, but I will read on. All right. So a few weeks later, (laughs) Bickle called Doe from Jane Doe, Doe of Jane Doe, from Asia to say the Lord spoke to him about her. She said this time, though, she said he sounded drunk on the phone. He begins to tell me that the Lord has spoken to him and that Diane's going to die. And that those two, Jane Doe and Bickle, were to get married. As he's talking to me, she says, She's thinking, is he drunk? And then he started talking about the alcohol that was in his fridge that he had been drinking. How convenient. The thought comes and then he just confesses. This is good. Okay, reading on. Okay, so from 1996 to 1999, Doe says that Bickle put her up in an apartment by herself, gave her a key to his office, engaged in sexual interactions with her, and told her about the dream again and again about his wife dying while simultaneously establishing an international house of prayer. Pause. Can I just say that I've warned people, I have warned people, okay, that nothing good will come from allowing Taylor Swift to be in your city. I have warned them. Did I not tell them? I told them. I said, do not let Taylor anywhere near you. And what do you guys do? You let her creep in under the disguise of Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, you let her, you let, you let um, them taint the prophetic word that they released over Kansas city. Not every, not every city gets a word from Bob Jones. So, um, you know, need I remind Kansas city that the, the Bob Jones had prophesied over your city. He's not going to give any more prophetic words. I don't know if you know this, but (laughs) Bob Jones is, He's no longer with us. He has moved to heaven. He is not coming back until Jesus returns. And he's only coming back with Jesus because it says in his word that he's coming back with his holy ones. So he has to because it's in the word. But if he had a choice, he probably wouldn't. He's not coming back. And he for certain is not giving you any more prophetic words. With the way you squandered it by letting Taylor Swift in your city. Believe the prophets and you will prosper. Second Chronicles 2020. 
mm-hmm. to say the least. Now, I ha- have been reading the allegations and I'm reading this uh, article a little tongue in cheek. Okay. It's the best way that we know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling triggered, I'm just going to tell you to keep moving because it's not going to get any better. Um, so I had already been seeing stuff circulating on social media about like this, like hashtag, we believe Jane Doe. I'm not going to believe anybody who's make believe if this is a criminal allegation. Okay. I don't know if people realize that, but you can't just bring something that serious and then go because then they like, instead of having the third party of like the attorneys involved, they wanted to turn to some nonprofit that had to do with, um, that had to do with church abuse and literally their acronyms means grace. It's really weird. Um, so sorry, but like if you do something illegal, (laughs) um, you can't just be like, we're going to deal with this in house girl. If you do something illegal and it's exposed to the public, the city and state get involved it is what it is. If somebody commits a crime and you're like, it's not a big deal. Um, it doesn't matter if the victim says it's not a big deal. Um, it's still legal. The person still is going to be punished it, regardless of the victim's desires. Correct. So a petition started circulating online um, to which I think it has garnered like 3000 signatures, but they're looking for 5,000 and it has not reached that. Um IHOP was the one that initially hired a national law firm to which, like I said, people turn their nose against. And they were like, well, the people, okay, let's not say it like, so when I say the people, I'm saying these are the people who have either supported or brought allegations against Mike Bickle. The people then um, started the online petition that garnered over 3,000 signatures to urge Kansas City to bypass the national law firm and go with the nonprofit that is their acronyms mean grace, which the irony in this is getting weirder and weirder. So the acronym for this nonprofit is called Grace. And it is <laughs> you can't make that up because I'm like, I think. You're a walking contradiction, but go ahead. Okay, so the acronym is GRACE, and it means the godly response to abuse in a Christian environment. And they want those people to investigate the allegations. This doesn't sound like an unbiased source for investigating. Right. GRACE has their own attorney. His name is Boz, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. But um, Boz something is Grace's founder, and he he wants to represent the main alleged victims, um, which is really weird. Anyway, so Grace is getting weird. Um, But weird because it's like, so you want to bring in this, this corporation called Grace, which is godly response to abuse in the Christian environment. But if you knew the definition of Grace, then this whole thing wouldn't even be a thing. Do we not understand that? You guys are called grace. You're not called mercy. In order for you to be grace, you'd have to be like, I not only forgive you, 
Mike, but now we're also going to give you more responsibility because grace is when you get something you don't deserve. Mercy is when you just get the pass. Like mercy is like when you get caught speeding and the cop goes, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Grace is when you get caught speeding and the cop goes, Hey, you want 20 bucks? (laughs) You understand? So like, it's so weird that you, anyway, here's the thing. This is the problem when there are Christians who, or who there are Christians who are in control of some organization that don't actually understand their own salvation. And because they don't understand their own salvation, they misappropriate the word grace and apply it to things that it does not apply to. Because, like, they don't – the real definition of grace, of, like, grace giving them the benefits, they don't believe in that clearly. Right. That's not their theology. Their theology is that grace is mercy. That's what I'm saying. We're here. We are here. And so they're – is no benefits to them. It's just we're all sucky, but we don't get what we deserve. We That's what we deserve. guaranteed how all these people are thinking. Also, a misrepresentation of the true definition of salvation will say that it's grace for grace for me and not for thee. Mm. So, like, I'm okay with grace. God, thank you for giving me grace. You, though, you, however, jail immediately (laughs) like it doesn't make any sense like i i don't understand so grace um robert peters grace's director of institutional response told um the what's this website the roy's report or something a following a review of communication channels to our knowledge grace has never received any inquiries or communication from our current kansas city leadership regarding recent allegations so even though everybody's like go with grace Again, ironic. So the people who are like, we want you to go through this institution. Um, no one's come to them and said like, hey, we want you to investigate. Because again, um, Kansas City is like, if you're going to bring criminal <laughs> allegations against someone, we need to get um, uh legal (laughs) representation and do an actual investigation because here in the charismania circus that we're not in a land of make-believe anymore like now playtime is over we we got to be serious now because now we're incorporating the law and the law has to get involved and that means that no more cops and robbers like now this is real life okay um so which is weird because sometimes like charismatics have a very loose grip of reality and it's hard to take this story seriously. Not that um, the tongue in cheek is not towards the victim in a sense of like, I'm sorry that you went through something that made you feel prophetically manipulated. I'm sorry that um, there are women who had felt sexually threatened by Mike Bickle or who have may maybe have been in a situation where they feel like he may have violated something. I apologize um, that that happened to you. However, please understand that um, you are bringing a lot of unnecessary attention to the church. Not only that, but um, this whole story seems like a bad episode of the office. 
because like you just can't bring something like this serious and then you're going to hide behind some name you're going to and then like the stories you're telling like he's been telling me for four years his wife was going to die and um he said i'm an esther and he's the king david to my esther and it's weird it's weird and then i'm like he's calling me and i think he's drunk and then he tells me about the alcohol that's in his fridge and then what's worse is that the women some of the women have to come forward and say like hey because some women like i told you about 20 women who were listed some of the women who were listed were like hey hey um hi i never signed anything that said that i was like um I was uh, accusing Mike Bickle. So some women's names got added to the list that said, I never said anything. Damn. How messy do you have to be? And so, and even messier than that, now some women have to like literally post that they are marked safe from Mike Bickle because Misty Edwards literally had to be like, hey, just to let you know, nothing weird happened between me and Mike. And then like they said, some other woman had to be like, hey, Nothing weird happened between me and Mike. And then another woman was like, hey, take my name off the list because I have not accused him of anything. And so uh, 26 years ago, this thing happened. Isn't there like a, a, a law about the amount of years? The statute, you- statute of limitations. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, let me look up what it is for. I think that there used to be one on rape, but now there no longer is one. And that's why the Me Too movement was kind of popping off. Ah. Uh, um. Oops, I accidentally typed that in Greek. Um, Oops. Let me type that in English. Um, limitations. Um, oh, God. So, um, a law, okay, so this is, um, it, I guess it would be, dependent on the state you're in so i I could see that yeah well that's why cassie's coming after p diddy in new york oh that Mm -hmm. makes sense so again whenever they talk about like the stuff that's going on with mike bickle and the staff that want to charge him with said um transgression it they always know an article that it was former staff so if it's former staff basically basically like someone who still has a grudge against them whether you were fired or you left because you didn't feel like you got enough stage time i don't know but um because in charismania is always the same story somebody gets butt hurt and then they blame their church leader even though it may sometimes have been them being immature and they weren't given enough responsibility and then they blame the pastor and then they deconstruct and then they wonder if they ever believed in jesus to begin with and all the stuff um so former staff members are now upset that Kansas City was like, hey, you're bringing some very serious allegations against him. And so now we're going to get attorneys to investigate the entire story. They said that the um, former IHOP Kansas City staff are claiming that IHOP's reporting process of um, integrating attorneys isn't safe for victims and are calling for executive leaders to resign. Kansas City's statement calling a third-party investigation premature only further emphasizes their lack of commitment to a safe, transparent process for investigating abuse. Text a former IHOP Kansas City staffer. 
Um, Kansas City is not qualified to investigate and attempts to verify allegations themselves before calling in the third party and are completely inappropriate. I have Kansas City leadership must immediately step down and allow a full investigation by an independent third party like Grace or guidepost for sake of truth, justice, and for the future safety of vulnerable populations in their organization as a whole. Um, like I said, for me personally, for them to go through getting in attorneys, not mad about it. Them wanting to be upset because they're not going with the organization that they want to go with. You're stomping your feet and you're throwing a tantrum. Um, so it's like weird. It's like, it's really messy. I thought it was like very much like, um, I very much thought it was like a woman who like had very, like a very real experience with Mike Bickle where she felt like unsafe. She's like, Hey, we kind of had an unhealthy relationship. Like I can kind of believe that. But like when you turn like Bill Cosby on me, like, and it's getting messy. And then you're like, no, we want to determine who you go with. Like that, that that's where I'm starting to raise some eyebrows. And now I don't even like, I had all these questions before when I was reading it. Cause I was like, wow, does Mike Bickle even like his wife? Like for you mm-hmm. to be like promising some woman, some girl, cause she was 19 for you to be promising some girl that your wife was going to die. Yeah. Everybody dies, but he's like, oh no, she's going to die pretty soon. And then we can get married. I'm thinking like what the heck happened between them that he hated his wife so much that he like was like still alive and she's still alive and she's actually really cute. I looked her up. Really? Yeah, she's a cutie. This is what I'm saying. And then, um, you know, like all all these people are coming out of the word work. Like they keep talking about former staffers. Right. And I'm like, well, my question is, like, if these former staff who are in such such an uproar, who are like, no, he needs to be tried immediately, and um, he needs to be found guilty. Oh, she is cute. She's she has a great a little, smile. Yeah, she's cute. She's uh, She's got a little bit of a, I love this, like, remember this haircut that was so in? Oh, my gosh, yes. Oh, I wanted that She's haircut. Cute, cute. She looks like a bickle wife. Like she is cutie. I love she it. Got a little bit of a Beth Moore bang. She does have the Beth Moore. She's. I mean, I think she's adorable. No, I think she's adorable too. I think she's cuter than he is. Oh yeah. I mean, she makes him look good. Yeah, like you see them together, and you're like, "Aw, he's punching up." Yeah, that's his. Yeah, that's his woman. Like. Mm-hmm nobody okay i'm just gonna keep my okay i'm just gonna say nobody who's wishing for their wife to die that often is gonna be taking cute cute pictures like that she looks so healthy and happy i'm confused like she doesn't doesn't look like a resentful like they just look like a happy couple i i have questions I just, this is, doesn't seem to be making sense. Like, you'll see it when things are off. Which leads me to my next question. Is there no one in the house of the Lord who has discernment? This, Not in that house. Well, okay. Because if they had discernment in that house, they would have said, Misty, stop. <laughs> Misty, baby. 
There's some things you do that are pretty good, but you're going depresso and it's not of the Lord. Which leads me to my next question, which is like, if there, if he had been a perpetrator for so long, okay, now this has gone on for 26 years and now the woman is just now speaking up and now everybody wants to come right and come out the woodwork. Had no one else seen anything? Had no one else, like, no one had questions, like... Can I get a witness? Please? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where, where were the witnesses? Where was anybody who had any question? No one was like, hey, Mike, maybe you shouldn't be alone in the car with that girl. Hey, Mike, maybe that girl shouldn't be in your office and the door's locked. Like, no one in 26 years, 26 years has raised anything in the, in the day and age in 2023, the year of our Lord in the day and age of social media, no one tweeted once, Hey, something shady about Mike Bickle. Yeah. It's, it's just a little concerning that this, I, you could have even on Reddit, Reddit, you could have even on Reddit gave a little hint and a drop. And now now you want to come up with something and now everybody that's what i'm telling you i'm calling it the bill cosby effect because this is what happened with cosby until this day i don't believe every single woman that came forward about cosby actually had something come actually had something happen between them and cosby maybe some women actually did i think um garcelle um said that something happened with her and cosby and she had to immediately run out the house because he was like trying to you know pull a little stuff on her I believe some, I think was Janice Dickerson, like one of the biggest ones that had. Okay. So all this stuff. Right. But I call it the Cosby effect when everyone's quiet until one person says something and then all everybody starts trying to cash in. Okay. Everyone Um, tries to cash in. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to rearrange this for a second to say this. Do it. There's a thing that, that publicists will say to their actor clients when they want to have an affair. What they say to them is, hey, if you want to have an affair, and if you want to have an affair, I'm not going to judge. But if you're going to have an affair, don't have it with someone who has nothing to lose. Yep. If you have an affair with the intern, if you have an affair with the assistant, that person, a liability. If you're going to have an affair, have it with a co-star, have it with a director, have it mm-hmm. with somebody who has something to lose if this comes out. Yep. So when it comes to like people who come out of the woodwork, who like, who are they? Less credibility already than someone like Janice Dickinson, who has a full career. Like she doesn't need, in fact, it's worse for her to say something about Bill. Agreed. And it would be for her to keep her mouth shut. She has something to lose. So when somebody comes out of the woodwork and they have nothing to lose, especially if they're not identifying their name. Yes. You're you're going to lose credibility. I'm not saying that she's lying. I'm just saying that she doesn't have much credibility because she has nothing to lose and she's not exposing her name. Yeah. Which again has been my whole, I'm, I'm reading different sources. I even people are popping off on Facebook and I like, everybody's like got something to say. And I'm like, but where is the concrete? Like, there's even some people who are like, um, there are former staffers who are like, I could see that happening. No one's like, for sure this happened. For sure this is the type of character he has. For sure this is Mike Pickle. Like, everyone's like, 
yeah, I could see that happening. Or there's a, there's a possibility, you know? But I'm like, if there's a possibility, if you could see it happening, if there was a question in his character, why did you let this man run amok for 26 years? Yeah, no, there is a serious lack of mens rea in this case. You mean to tell me no one in the house of the Lord has discernment? Tell me that something was up with Mike Bickle all this time. Again, the girl may, you know, in the year 2023, my truth is a thing. And I'm just going to say that there are some things that she had believed to have been true. I have walked through many girls who've had many crushes, who have had many. I'm not saying that this girl had a crush on Mike Bickle. But I'm just saying that like when people are infatuated and when people are in are in it, um, sometimes they see what they want to see. They hear what they want to hear and they believe what they want to believe. So it's it's weird. That story, it's weird. It's getting even weirder. Um, I'm trying to go with um, the most unbiased reports of this whole like investigation i'll be waiting on bated breath for the updates but you know um i don't i don't know what explaining mike would have to do i don't think there is any explanation i think that the investigation has to happen i think he's very much like just let truth play itself out i don't know I will say that maybe your your fault was um, in, you know, like, again, 26 years ago, right? But maybe your mistake was trusting that you can be alone with women. I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, now that you, you, maybe you shouldn't have been calling females on your phone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, now he's he's playing all this stuff back and he's like, you know, for all we know, he is a dirty old man and he has done what he's done with these with these girls and made them feel like unsafe and prophetically manipulated them and spiritually abused them. Kind of weird that it's all coming out now. I, I, I don't know when it's like that. I just tend to be skeptic. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm. I just tend to be skeptic. Yeah. And I, I think, too, like when things like this get accusatory and of course when things like this happen but when people get very accusatory we kind of have a bit of a danger here because we're losing the ability for girls especially those who don't have fathers to have safe and affectionate spiritual fathers yes do you know how badly like someone who didn't have an earthly father needs a healthy father figure to give them a hug Mm-hmm. Or to say, hey, you can call me and you can't and you need me just can't be done now without being weird. Or it has to be established in some weird sense of like, oh, I love you like a daughter, like a daughter, like a daughter. I, I just I love you like a daughter. Like, you know, you know it's got to be like this whole like thing now. Yeah. Not to mention that, like, because I have a great relationship with my spiritual dad. I am grateful. Um, but we also like there also has to be boundaries set in place because it is 2023 and people are weird 
And so like we do things to protect each other. Like we don't travel alone together. Like, and like, praise God, because now there's nothing like that can ever be brought up because it's like, we're not even in the same car. We don't, you know what I mean? Because you take the innocence away because so many things happen that like people with their eyes can only see things that are unpure, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And so. I remember Chris Valentin making a comment years ago that he um, was like, oh, I need to tell those um, young girls, they were like teenagers or something around that age, that they're beautiful because girls need to hear that. Like they genuinely need to hear that they are beautiful. And he's about to say it. And then he like feels like, oh, but like, what if somebody thinks that this is sexual harassment? What if they think that I'm yep. coming on to them? And then he realized like, no, this is the voice of the enemy that's trying to keep yep. these girls from receiving a fatherly approval yeah. And uh, and love from a, a healthy, safe father figure type of man. And so then he said it anyway. Yeah. Um, and he was like, hey, you got, I just want to let you know, your girls are beautiful. And it's sad that he had to bring that up on, on pulpit to be like, hey, this is what's happening in our culture. Like we are losing the ability to fatherly love our daughters because everybody's making everything so inappropriate. Um, and on a, a side note, this is um, on the, in the other direction. I heard that in the pilot episode of One Tree Hill, there was a woman who played um, a teenage boy's mom. And she was just acting as she normally did because she is a mom. She genuinely is a mother. And yeah. she was acting with him and she touched his chest like a mom would. And she yeah. was just being physically affectionate with him like she does her own son. And the notes came back from the network afterwards. And they were like, you can't touch him anymore because we thought it was sexual. And we we kind of felt like weird about it. It's like, what kind of mind do you have? What is the depravity of your mind? If you see someone who's playing a mother on a TV show, touch her son affectionately and instantly go, this is sexual. Right. Like the the... It's like that um, that verse, like in Titus, to the pure, all things are pure. All but things are pure. But if you have a a depraved mind, you will find evil everywhere you look. Yes, yes, easily, easily. And on the other scope of everything, what a and I say this tongue in cheek, but what a great way to end our year. Right. And 2023 with the criticism and skepticism of the prophetic culture Mm. going into 2024, which was an election year. And we know how damaging it was to undermine profits the last election year. And we're still still like doing damage control from the wild, wild west of the prophetic culture where prophets were taking out other prophets and um, some prophets were hanging themselves on the gallows. Like they just took themselves out of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, The general public and their view of the prophetic, like still doing damage control. Yeah. And so how interesting that the end of the year, this whole thing comes out with, um, Kansas City and it's not just sexual misconduct it's not just um sexual harassment it's not just um allegations of 
um, foul play, they have to use the terminology prophetic manipulation. Or um, how did the one title, the art, the article was like, um, used like, uh, it was like weird. The article title was like gross. Um, do I have it? Let me see. The title of the article was Woman Says IHOP Kansas City Founder Mike Bickle Used Prophecy to Sexually Abuse Her. Why is that even in a sentence together? That's not exactly what happened. Um, if if that allegations did occur, what's more accurate is man uses the fact that she did not know anything of the Bible, even though it's very easy to get a Bible anywhere in America for free and you could just read it and uses that knowledge of the Bible against the fact that she doesn't have any knowledge of the Bible to manipulate her. Man uses generic prophetic word of well-known Bible character to uh, encourage young woman about her destiny. A little bit more. And, you know, I have to say, too, as somebody who gives prophetic words, and you can speak to this as well, when someone um, either A, is not used to getting prophetic words, or B, really honors your prophetic voice, they really do become a fan. Yeah. They become a fan of yours. So, I mean, are you kidding me? If Tomi Ariomi was to be like, yo, I got a word for you, I am... All ears, all fingers, all toes. I'm all in. Like, I'm like, give me a word. Okay. Um, still, it's my responsibility. I mean, Tommy Ariomi is prophesying things over nations and cities and regions and years that are coming to truth, right? They're coming to pass. And still, it would be my responsibility to test the word that he prophesies over me. It would still be my, my responsibility. It really would. It wouldn't matter who gave it to you. Um, it's Paul always- says in Galatians that even if an angel came to you and gave a word that is not aligned with the gospel, let that angel be accursed. Oof. Okay. Word set up to protect you, man. It is set up to give you boundaries. Mm-hmm. Where, like, this girl came 19 years old from wherever. I mean, I don't know. I like how they like they dropped the whole like he called her while she was in Asia. I'm like, is she Asian? Was she like, what, what are you what are you trying to say here? Was she at, on a mission trip? Like, what are you trying to say? Anyway, I'm just saying that as she was in this culture, right when she came to Kansas City at 19, what did all she have was Mike Bickle? Like, who who did she come with? Like, where where were her friends? No one like said to you like, hey girl, like let's let's chill because. You know, the Esther word is amazing, but are you willing to die for an entire nation? No? Okay, then maybe you're not an Esther. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, let's just calm down. And, anyway. And for also all the other Esthers to follow you and teach them how to die? Right. Like, not to mention, like, have you read Esther's story? I mean, the homegirl was, she was, she, she she was in a sex contest. Like, let's be real. Like, she had to improve, she had to impress the king. So, like, let's calm down, pause, time out, like, receive these. And so all that to say is that we started this whole thing with 
you know, sometimes people hunger affirmation more than the prophetic. And when you want affirmation more than you want to hear the voice of God who affirms you anyway, um, it tends to lead you down a dark road. And um, my moral of the story is, is I don't give a rip who um, represents the prophetic in your life. Okay. I don't give a rip who it is. You get a word, especially in 2024, or if you hear a word, especially in 2024, um, test it. Ask the Lord, discern. And if you do not know how, you can always email us at happyandholyco Co. at gmail.com. At gmail.com. You can email us. Like, we're not here to decipher the word for you. We will just give you the protocol in, in which, and it will be Bible verses, in which we will um, guide you into testing the word. Um, obviously, we're not going to decode your prophetic word for you we're not decoding dreams for you i ain't here for all that i don't even care if you paid you me want I not. someone to decode your dreams you call barbie Breathitt. you don't call us you <laughs> you do not call me you're gonna pay for those calls but that's who you call l o l you have to pay yeah it's uh you have to pay for the phone calls with barbie yeah And we're out here podcasting for free. You know I know. I know. Okay. Moving on. If you need, <laughs> if you need like, you know, like help being like, yo, I've gotten this word. I got this word 20 years ago. I got this word a year ago. I got this word last week. Um, I'm just saying, test it. Like read the word, be like, does it align up with something that God would say to me? Does it encourage? Does it strengthen? Does it comfort? Like, what is God saying through this? Um, like, you know, we're, we are not the litmus test for you, but I'm just saying that um, you have got to get in the habit of discerning. And if you want to know what discernment is like, just read the book of Proverbs. I will, I will, um, just suggest that to you like pro- discernment. I didn't even realize how much discernment was mentioned in Proverbs. And that is a book of wisdom. Really and I was is. like, bro, how important is discernment then? If it's like all over the book of wisdom. And so get in the habit of discernment. What is discerning is to test what is right from wrong. And so just get into the habit of doing that. But um, yeah, 2024, don't let people come to you with empty words. Get it tested, honey. Get it tested faster than COVID. You want to get your words tested. Test your words. (laughs) You guys were able to stick Q-tips up your nose for three years. Test your prophetic words. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. People are going to think I'm so funny. (laughs) (laughs) But we're just here to tell you. I mean, it's just, it's so unfortunate that that's how it had, that's how this year has, has got to end. So I can only pray that in January, February, something happens to redeem the prophetic. Mm -hmm. Um, But ain't looking too hot. Mm -mm. I will (laughs) have to 
It's looking a little embarrassing. We're off to a bad start. We are rebuking this. We say you cannot be attacking the prophetic culture or the prophets anymore, enemy. Putting you under judgment. Under judgment. The ruler of this world has been judged. And it's you. All right, moving on. Do you want to do your quick word of the day? Yeah, let's do it real quick. All right. Oh my God, gonna... I closed my Bible. Okay, I remember where it was. Acts 17. 25. 1725. <laughs> um, Guys, while Jamie's looking for a word of the day, I just wanted to um uh, walk you through what the word of the day with jay is um jay is um has a way with uh linguistics and uh she's quite the scholar in greek one time not too long ago her credibility was even questioned on youtube which is amazing because like now I'm jealous of Jay because she's going to get a crown that I didn't get because she's being persecuted for her understanding of Greek. And I want to be, I want to be questioned anyway. All that to say is that word of the day with Jay is just basically Jamie just sharing with you, which you should appreciate um, just her delicious findings and her excavations of the word and She'll break it down for you. She'll make it easy for you to find it yourself where you can go and maybe study and you don't have to go to cemetery, seminary, seminary to study the word for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, word of the day with Jay. Today's word of the day is no way. You can find this in your concordance G4157. This means breath, breath of life, and wind. But this is not where that ends. So firstly, I'm going to read the verse that we find this word in, Acts 17, 25. Neither is he served by human hands as though he lacked anything, for it is he himself who gives life and breath and all things to all people. He himself who gives life and breath that's no way. And all things to all people, which is actually a reference to Isaiah 42, 5. One of my favorite things about the Bible is that the whole thing is in Greek manuscripts, which is great for me because I'm better at Greek than I am at Hebrew. But the Old Testament, being that is originally in Hebrew and Aramaic, does have a translation of itself in Greek that happened, I think about 300 years before the birth of Jesus. Regardless, it's a great way to compare words between the Greek and the Hebrew. They have corresponding words. It's also a great way to verify prophecies. Greek is a very specific language as opposed to Hebrew, which can have many definitions of a word. So if you're in an argument with somebody about something in the Old Testament and they're bringing up the word in the Hebrew and you're losing the argument, you might find that the Septuagint will have your back. In this case, I've found an enriching study in finding the corresponding word in the Hebrew. But before I go into the Hebrew, I want to bring in another verse that this word 
can be found in, and that is also in Acts. Of the places in the New Testament that this word is in, it is just in Acts. So we thank you, Luke, for using words that are unique to this book. Luke has um, some other words that he is the only author who uses. Um, and um, he's obviously a smart guy. He's a doctor. He sounds like a mensch. I would definitely be interested in getting to know Luke. Okay. Acts 2 2. Suddenly there was a sound like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. That's the living translation. Let's pull the amplified. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. I'm going to pull the King James because I feel like it needs some balance here. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a might, uh, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. If anybody didn't guess where the word can be found in these scriptures, it is the word wind, wind meaning breath, breath of life. Let's find this in the Hebrew. So this word in Hebrew, neshama, which means breath, spirit, breath of God, every breathing thing. The interesting thing about this word is that in the Hebrew, this word is found in the book of Genesis, where it describes the breath that breathed life into Adam. So we're in Genesis 2 now in verse 7. This is the, I want to do the CSB first. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. I'm going to read the King James as well. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So this word breath, which was found in Isaiah, as you could see from the reference in Acts 17.25, is also the same word that is describing the mighty rushing wind that entered the room at Pentecost, which is also the same wind that breathed life into Adam. So God breathed that rushing wind into Adam to give him life. He breathes that same wind, that breath and life and all things into every being, every human being as found in Isaiah, which is the same breath that rushed into the upper room at Pentecost. So all of that to say, this is something beautiful to think about, that the breath that you breathe is the same breath that filled the room at Pentecost that gave Adam life. And how can we say that we could ever live a Christian life without the breath of the Holy Spirit? How could we say, I am okay with the original portion of breath that I was given, but rather we can say, I'm going to receive more. I'm going to receive the breath of the Holy Spirit that rushed into the room at Pentecost that is available to every believer, giving men life and all things. So I hope that you enjoyed this word of the day segment, and I hope that you are baptized in the spirit. If not, please reach out to a local Pentecostal spirit-filled charismatic church and get yourself baptized in the spirit um, or 
um, resources from Joshua Mills are really helpful about baptizing yourself in the spirit. If you need help with that. Um, and if you are baptized in the spirit, then please speak in tongues and enjoy the breath of life that you've been given. Amen. Amen. I am, I was doing it back here and, and, and <laughs> thank God I was muted. If you're not filled with the spirit, I'm just going to say be filled. Duh. Be filled with the spirit. Spirit. We release and Holy Spirit over you. The baptism of the spirit over those who want to receive it right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Um, I like to say the Lord is no respecters of person, but he's also no respecters of tech. And That's so facts. don't think just because you're listening to a podcast that you cannot be filled. The Lord can reach you and he can touch you. Um faster than anyone else can and so the 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 wind of the spirit the breath of life should just come upon you now in jesus name i just uh thank you lord and we can't wait to hear uh the amazing testimony of how the lord had filled you um then i think about the lord i'm trying to think of it how he raised me, how he saved me, yeah, how he filled me. Absolutely possible to receive the Holy Spirit from someone praying over you via a podcast. So, yeah, I've watched like YouTube and and been whacked, and so shaka. Yeah, the Lord can do it. I no one can do it. Jesus can heal cheaper, quicker, better. Kenneth Copeland blew the wind of God at me through a screen and I felt it. So it's real. He's no no respecters of screens and no respecters of person and sound waves and all the things. Thank you, Jesus. That was yummy. Uh, That was a great word of the day. Nice breakdown. Um, Let's get into it. All right, guys, our last segment for today's show is our get it together and we're super duper excited so ladies and gentlemen get it together get it together is one of our favorite segments of the show and i know it's yours too get it together is our um i was gonna say our weekly rant it's our daily rant it is just a rant session um, to which Jamie and I call something that's out of order, back into order, back into alignment, back into righteousness, calling things that are not as they are. <laughs> calling things that are not as they are. And I know what you're thinking. Did you just say, get it together? It is your weekly rant session mm-hmm. was this podcast was not this whole podcast a rant first of all how dare you and to that i say let he who is without sin cast the first no i'm kidding um yeah maybe it is maybe our podcast is but this is our intentional rant okay there's a difference sometimes we digress but this one is intentional 
Um, we have sifted through our topics for the day. We've sifted through subjects. We have gone through bookmarked videos, websites, texts to pick out for you the very thing that we will declare for it to get it together. And so as it goes, Jamie, would you like to go first? I would love to. I have been like seething for a week. Do Do it. Okay. So many people who know me know that I really love Hallmark movies, Hallmark Christmas movies, Honestly, Hallmark movies in general, but Hallmark Christmas movies hold a special place in my heart. And they get a lot of flack because people think they're easy to make. They think that they're dumb. They think the acting's bad, which is true when the acting is bad. Okay. But <laughs> but they have a lot of beef with Hallmark films. They're like, oh, they're not good and they're easy to make. Let me tell you something. Have you ever watched a Lifetime Christmas movie and notice that there's a big difference between a lifetime Christmas movie and a Hallmark Christmas movie. Have you ever watched a freeform Christmas movie or an ABC family RIP back in the day was what freeform used to be called. Have you ever watched one of their Christmas films and realized this is not a Hallmark movie. Hallmark movies are very specifically coded and they're coded for a reason. The reason why is because Hallmark's ideal customer. And I found this out from a friend who produces Hallmark films. Hallmark sets their ideal customer and tells writers, tells everybody who they want to be watching this film is a mother wrapping presents with her eight-year-old daughter with the movie on in the background. Hallmark films are not supposed to be watched. Hallmark films are ASMR. The reason why there's no big plot or there's not so much drama, there's not too much to keep up with is because It's not supposed to be kept up with. It's not supposed to be watched. It's supposed to have a vibe in the background. Have you ever noticed how the lighting is very specific? Everything is so particular and cohesive throughout each film. Did you know, and this is from a client who worked on Hallmark Films, a different client. I have multiple sources here. That if you are in a Hallmark film and you say, get an outfit to wear as an actor, That outfit has to be approved by five separate people before you're allowed to go to set. If you ever watched a Hallmark film and thought, wow, it's the big reveal of the girl in the dress at the party. Why is this dress not more impressive? Because five people had to approve of one dress. Do you think those five people agreed on one dress? No. So you end up with the kind of blandest dress the stylist probably had that the five people were like, yeah, okay, I guess it's fine. Because at least those five people found an agreement. Because again, everything that Hallmark makes has to be Hallmark coded. There are also very specific rules that Hallmark writers have to follow. If you want to write for Hallmark, you cannot just be like, this is easy. I could write this. All of those people on YouTube and Instagram Reels and TikTok making those little clips of little scenes, they're not writing a whole Hallmark film. If you're writing a whole Hallmark film, you have to adhere to their Hallmark rules, which means that you need to write a project that allows the main character female to have agency while still allowing the man to pursue her. But he has to have very clear express permission to pursue her while she is 
also playing hard to get. Do you know how difficult that is to write as a writer? You need a guy to come in and kiss the girl and sweep her off her feet, but he needs to get permission first in a romantic way so that women who are traditional will still be like, oh my God, that's so romantic. And women who are like, is this rape? Are like, no, that definitely wasn't because she said yes. You need to be satisfying all parties here. And it's incredibly difficult to do as a writer and then also remain creative. So when it all comes together, the approval of the lighting, the wardrobe, the story, not too much can happen, not too much drama, because again, this is ASMR. This is not a movie to be watched. It's a very specific type of project. All of that comes together and you still have a really decent movie. This holiday season, I want you to put some respect on Hallmark's name. They've been doing this work for years. The work is distinctive. You can't say that any other network or independent person has been able to replicate the Hallmark experience. And it lacks the respect in the community. Put some respect on the name, Hallmark. Mic drop. Put some respect on Hallmark. Right. Mm-hmm. Put some respect on their name mm-hmm. channel. Yeah. Network. I don't want to hear anybody complain about these movies this season. Not one peep. Well, now I feel like people can appreciate it better because now they understand the purpose of said movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's only people who are dumb not in the industry and who don't create anything that will make fun of these movies. These people, they've never done a long-term film project. Name one person who's in a long-term film project who actually would make fun of a Hallmark film. Right. Even people who don't enjoy it will be like, I would still love to make money and work for them. (laughs) Because they're also very loyal. They will rehire the same writers and actors. They're always those, that same Hallmark like five guys, three girls, they always reuse. Right, right. It's like a family. It must feel like really delightful to work for them because you're taken care of. Like, do you need a job? Like, we will hire you for the next five films. You know, sometimes like some movies like recently have come out and people are like, oh, you didn't enjoy the movie, but it's because you missed the whole point of the movie. Like you, you were taking it for face value and really it's a lot deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what home because I mean it's changed my mind. Like I'm like, oh, if it's meant to be just a holiday ASMR, what am I doing? Like reading too much into the movie. Mm-hmm. Now you're watching it wrong. I I'm watching it wrong. You're doing it wrong. There's a reason why girls like me love these movies. I don't watch TV. I leave it on. I yes. love leaving like those films on when I work or when I like read the Bible. Yes. Like I just want in the background. Yes. It's just comforting. It's like yes. a, it's a cup of tea and a blanket for your TV screen. Right. Um, maybe I should try Hallmark movies on my dog. Yeah. If they've got a crackling fireplace, I bet he'd like them. He probably would like them. I think so. I think so. Um, that's fun. Get together. I'm dying oh. to know. My get it together, guys. My get it together. Listen, I have been really sick and tired of being sick and tired. 
please bear with me before you go shutting off the podcast early. I have an issue with people who run with the identity of being a quote gay Christian end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that saying that you are a gay Christian is the same thing as saying I'm a Christian that struggles with homosexuality. I do not think those are the same thing. You're not saying the same thing there. Mm-mm. My issue is not with the people who struggle with homosexuality after having received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. Okay. If you're saved and you still struggle with homosexuality, this rant is not for you. My issue is for you hoes that like to say you're a gay Christian and that Jesus is okay with it. I don't believe there is, um, that's even a possibility because nowhere ever in any pages of my 12 Bibles, okay, is anyone identified by their shortcoming? Mm. With the amount of people we have in the Bible, I have not seen anyone, anyone, in the word um, with the adjective before their identification in the Bible. Paul was not the murderous Christian. David was not the adulterous lover of God. Peter was not the lying apostle. No one was identified by their shortcoming. And then you get to fill in the blank Christian. That's nowhere. And you wonder why. Well, you can start with second Corinthians five. 17 about becoming a new creation when you become a Christian, which means that like, okay, let's say you were gay. You were gay before you received Christ. And now that you receive Christ, you're like, Hey, but I'm still gay. No, honey, you didn't let what needed to die, die because you are a new creation, which means that whatever you were struggling with before you received Christ, in that new identity, in being a new creation, in having that new heart that Christ has given you, you died to um, you died to what was struggling your old with with your old nature. And your old nature is the person who was struggling with homosexuality, maybe with drinking, with drugs, with lying, with masturbating. That is everything in your old nature. Okay. You said no to that the minute you said yes to Jesus. So it's weird that, um, you know, I think of people like Mike Mashero, who's like, I'm a queer Christian. I'm a gay Christian. You say that homosexuality is like every other sin. But where in society do we, anyone who's not gay, who else in society is able to label their Christianity by their shortcoming? No one. No one. If, uh, if I'm trying to think of like, 
yeah, let's just let's just use somebody. Let's just use something like masturbation. People would not be able to call themselves a masturbating Christian. You can't be a masturbating Christian. That's not right. Well, oh, but it's okay to be a gay Christian. Well, yeah, because like that's how they were born. Well, this guy was born with a penis and he masturbates. So can he be a <laughs> masturbating Christian? Uh, no, because it's not right. Well, why is it that it's okay to be a gay Christian? Your weakness before your identity makes no mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's weird. I don't. I don't know. Since when did we have the need to be identified by our shortcoming in conjunction with our faith? Um, the beauty of our weakness is that. It's in our weakness that God actually gets the glory for our weakness because in our weakness, he is strong, right? In our weakness, not because of our weakness, but despite it, it's not because someone is gay and like, okay, you're gay and now God is glorified. No, no, no. In that weakness, he has been made strong and he's perfecting you in that weakness. Amen. So all of that gets to all of that gets to stay in the muddy waters when you rise up out of out, out of being baptized, whether it be physical or spiritual, all of that stays in the all the muckiness, the the slander, the lying, the stealing, the homosexuality, the alcohol, the drugs, the masturbating, all of that stays lingered. When your old nature, your old man your old self, whatever you want to label it as, that is what died when you came to Jesus. And so if you consider yourself a gay Christian, fill in soundbite that I want to put of the of the Skittles commercial that you're a walking contradiction. Look at this! One contradiction eating another! Huh? You're Scotch-Korean, and Starburst is a solid, yet you see like a liquid! You cannot be someone, Jesus himself will not be unequally yoked. And so he's not going to come into someone who's saying that they're broken and not perfect. It's him that is perfecting it in you. And so that's actually why in Ezekiel 36, he says that I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And so the reason why he has to put that new heart in you is because he's not going to be unequally yoked with your dusty old heart. And so he had to give you a new one. Well, if he's giving you a new heart, he's giving you something of himself. Are you calling Christ imperfect? Because he's giving you something that's perfect. And so maybe you're not a gay Christian. Maybe you just haven't awakened to the revelation that you are heterosexual. You're just listening to the wrong voice. You're just living in unbelief. You maybe have not fully had this conversation with Christ where he's asked you to let go of your shortcoming. And so um, you need to get it together if you consider yourself a gay Christian because um, it's one and the other, baby, honey, boo-boo, darling. Miss girl. Miss girl. It's only one or the other. You cannot be gay and a Christian. And I know, I know, because this is what people would love to argue about because they're just like, since the beginning of time, they're like, hey, um, homosexual, the word homosexuality was never found in the Bible, so it's not wrong to be gay and blah, 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 blah. You can be gay if you want to. You just can't be gay and a Christian because um, to be a Christian means you're a little Christ. You are Christ-like. And if my Lord and Savior is not gay. That's not the right way. Who said? Jesus. 
I know that. Mm-hmm. And so if anything is in him, that is, um, if there's anything not in him that's in you, then that's not you. It's not you being conformed to the image of Christ. That's you conforming yourself to you. Yep. Narcissism. And it's not the I. Is, um, it's like refusing to fully take on the identity of Christ. Like, oh, no, I don't just want the identity of Christ. I also want this other identity. Yeah, it's the me. Don't be double-minded. It's the sovereign self. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Of course you're not going to adopt the identity of Christ. Of course you're not being conformed and transformed into the image of him. You're just transforming the image of you. And guess what? It's ugly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm not trying to insult your looks. I'm not talking about like your face. That's not ugly, but it's an ugly spirit. It's the spirit that you had before Jesus. It's his righteousness that he clothes you in. Mm -hmm. And listen, I heard that his robes, baby, when you walk in that runway in heaven and they ask you what you're wearing, you get to say Jesus. And then the crowd goes, these blood-stained robes. (laughs) Thanks. It's time to ditch the filthy old rags. But um, it's, I mean, I, I, am I going to go old school? Am I going to go old school with the verses? I'm going to, I'm going to go completely GC coded. Oh, we love coded up. I'm going to go GC coded. And this isn't for like all intents and purposes to have an argue with someone who who believes that like homosexuality is okay, baby. What you whatever you want to do with your body is your body. I'm just saying that you can't claim Christ while you do those things to your body. And if you're going to, one of you needs to die, either the gay or the Christian. And my guess is you might want to leave the gay alone. That that would be my guess. I'm just going to say this before you pop into the word and absolutely eviscerate this conversation. If anybody tries to, if, if, if anybody wants to argue in the comments about this, argue with someone who's dumber on TikTok. Okay. Thank You're not you. going to win the argument in this comment section. So just give up. Just don't even type. Um, Jesus. Well, um, this is amazing. Shaka. All right. Shaka. For under the law, I died. And now I'm dead to the law's demand so that I may live for God. As far as the law is concerned, I may consider that I died on the cross with Christ. And my present life is not that of the old I, but the living Christ that is within me. The bodily life I now live, I live believing in the Son of God who loved me and sacrificed himself for me. Consequently, I refuse to to solidify the grace of God by reverting to the law. For if righteousness were possible under the law, then Christ died for nothing. 
That's good. Is that Galatians? That is Galatians 2.20 in the Phillips Modern English. We love it. So it's not, again, the possibility of this gay Christianity, this queer Christianity. If you're listening to this hoopla about like, I can be this and this, there it is. Galatians 2.20. You could read it in whatever translation you want to, but all you need to know is that the you died and that you part was the gay part. That you part was the lying part. That you part was the masturbating part. The you part was the lying part. That you died because Christ now lives in you. And that's good news because then you can just let go of the struggles. You're not a gay Christian unless you want to be gay. Do you want to be gay? Then you're gay. Do you want to be Christian? Then step into Christ. There is no both. Okay. Do you want some, do you want some backup? Okay. Romans five, six for while we were still helpless at the right time, the Messiah died on behalf of ungodly people. You know, what's ungodly? homosexuality. You know what's ungodly? Masturbating. Do you know what's ungodly? Drugs. You know what's ungodly? I can just go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need more evidence? Okay. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrated his own love for us that, that the Messiah died on our behalf while we were still sinners. So when you were gay, he died on your behalf so that you can just be a Christian. Leave the adjective alone. Leave it at home, boo-boo. <laughs> uh, finally, Romans 5.10, for if we were reconciled with God through his son's death when we were enemies, how much more will we be delivered by his life now that we are reconciled? Again, Um be reconciled unto God so that you can be the little Christ, the Christian. Um, It's impossible to do the gay when the gay is your I, 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 and the Christian is just him. So um, my get it together is listen, leave the hand me down nonsense at home when someone is trying to convince you that they can define their Christianity by their shortcoming. They can define their Christianity by their brokenness, or they can try to define their Christianity by their weakness because in our weakness, he is strong. It's not in our weakness. We are, we're made cool. It's not in our weakness. We get a following on social media. It is in our weakness, he is strong. And Christ himself is perfecting himself in us so that we can be conformed and transformed into the image of him. Listen, he just makes us, he just makes us look good. He makes us look better. Mm-hmm. In his image? Yeah, that's a good image. It's a good face to have. Mm-hmm. It's a good face to have and leave it alone. Gay Christianity, queer, whatever, Mike Mashiro and co just leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it at home, whatever you got to do. But um, the next time someone tries to come to you with this gay Christianity nonsense, you know, use something vile, 
to make them realize the severity of their ridiculousness. It's just saying like, well, yeah, would you call Paul? Yeah, he was a murderous Christian. Peter, the lying apostle. Like use use another adjective. And, and if it's okay for them to be defined for that, then I guess it's okay for you to be a gay Christian. But if it's not okay, then it's not okay for someone to define their Christianity by being homosexual. Mm-hmm. It ain't it ain't working. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna introduce myself to you as a straight Christian. I'm sorry. It's no. just not happening. It's I'm not sorry. happening. And that's my get it together. Beautiful. Oh, that's my get it together. Beautiful. We yeah. don't we don't get to. I hated that. I hated that people used to be like, oh, and you're just judging people for, for who sin differently than you. No, I'm judging people who use bad adjectives. That's what I'm judging. You're judging people who take their sin on as an identity in addition to or instead of Christ. I'm judging your grammar. I never like was calling like I was never being like, I'm going to call out my sins as part of my identity, even though it was a struggle to let them go. Yeah, I mean, again, we grew up with this bad theology, right? So we were just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, don't mind me. I'm just a little sinner that the Lord will use. I People to this day will still do that. Like, I forgot some, some social, some influencer was like, said something and was like, um, the way, like, like basically he was like, I'm humbled that the Lord would use me. He was like, that the Lord would use a sinner like me. And I'm like, if the Lord's using you and you're a sinner, we have a problem. Um, I, I, there's no excuse for me if the Lord can use you as like someone who has no fellowship with him, that the Lord would use you. That's great. Okay. Let's actually like look up some scriptures at some point, not this episode, obviously, but another episode, let's actually look up descriptions of sinner in, in the scripture. Let's have a whole episode. I mean, we do it after the fasting episode. L O L ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We've missed you guys. It's good to be back. Thanks for hanging out with us and chatting with us. And maybe you're talking to us, but we can't hear you, but we appreciate your contribution anyway, as always. What's that? We're so we're so grateful to be back with you and to be fellowshipping on this podcast. Oh yeah. You should definitely check us out and find us at happyandholyco.com. And you'll probably want to grab some Christmas gifts there while you're at it. And you can email us at happyandholyco at gmail.com with any comments, concerns, or complaints, because we do have a trash icon for those complaints. Just for that and look we're prophetic so if you are complaining the lord's going to tell us which ones to trash i'm just saying trust and believe i will know by your subject line i (gasps) I guarantee you i guarantee you Mm -hmm. it is my job to sift through spam Mm -hmm. and so i i I am a pro at it beautiful Mm -hmm. well friends don't forget to check us out on youtube for the visuals if you want to listen to us just on podcasts, you want to take us on the go. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google, um, CastBox. 
splatter music. I don't know. I'm making things up now, but I just, wherever podcasts are listed, there we are. Mm-hmm. So come and check us out. Hey, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, like be sure to leave us a rating, a comment, all the things. If you're on YouTube, just be like, I'm here. Let us know, comment. We get the views. We see the comments. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Remember to be happy. And stay holy. Got a funny intro? Beautiful. We did it. We made it.